Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Binges with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello and welcome to episode 190, Ernesto, wow. to Box Office Bingers. Man, we are just climbing up that ladder, aren't we? Just, just <laughs> trucking right along. Just chucking right along. Uh, I'm excited for this episode. So am I. Uh, it's, this is, uh, a, I feel like, a, a genre that we don't often visit too much. But this is also a high Oscar con- Oscar contender. Uh, so tell our lovely listeners what we're list- what we are reviewing this week. So this week we are reviewing uh, Past Lives, starring Greta Lee, T.U., John Magaro, written and directed by Celine Song, who's her directorial debut. Um, she was a staff writer for The Wheel of Time season one. Um, so yeah, this was a this is definitely this is definitely an Oscar bait type of movie. Um, yeah, I I got some I got some thoughts on it. I'm I'm very curious okay. where what yours are. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. But Matthew, we have a lot of news this week. Like yeah, we do. like we were doing we were getting things in, and like you had stories, and then I had stories I wanted to put in, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of news. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the... <laughs> There's a lot of news, and uh, I feel like that like there we got a couple of updates on stories we've talked about in the past. We have a couple of new stories. It's nice, wide range. We got some nerd stuff we got to talk about. Some things that are happening in the industry. You know what what people have been saying lately. We got we got. It's a nice, well rounded we piece. It's of a, news there's a little bit of tea on. this week too. I mean, we got we, we got, got a little bit. We got it all this week. Yeah. So that's <laughs> no, all the news. All the news. We all got right, it. We got it. It's all here. So first it's off, good. we got some good news. It's official. The WDGA writer strike is officially over. After a week of voting, 99% of the Writers Guild of America membership cast their ballot in favor of ratifying the three-year minimum basic agreement with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, bringing, uh, bringing to a final end the strike that has lasted for nearly five months. But on the flip side of that, <laughs> about a week after the negotiations, SAG-AFTRA, the SAG-AFTRA Negotiating Committee, and the AMPTP have walked away from the bargaining table. SAG-AFTRA took to social media to say to our fellow SAG-AFTRA members, it is with profound disappointment that we report the industry CEOs have walked away from the bargaining table after refusing to counter our last offer. We have negotiated with them in good faith, despite the fact that last week they presented an offer that was shockingly worth less than they proposed before the strike began. Now, wow. So it just (laughs) seems like maybe they're putting their eggs more into the writing because of this tech, all this technology they have. That wills that is literally going to help them save like millions and millions of dollars. 
Well, and I'm sure that's just a small part of 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 the bigger piece. But it to me, that's just kind of what it seems like. Like you, you, you finished the writer strike, so we're kind of in the same ballpark. You should you. It's almost like a general expectation that like this should be done. Like you finish one, you should be ready to finish the other one. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I that and I I hundred percent agree with you on that because how can you like it, it only took about three to four days of negotiating for the like for the writers uh, the the writers guild of america committee was ne- was negotiating for three days with the amptp and then they came to a conclusion and then they had a, a great you know everyone was meeting you know the terms that they wanted we talked about what exactly went into the three-year minimum basic agreement uh, two episodes ago, so we're 190. So about I think episode 188, we kind of full discussed it. Um, so you can go back and listen to that episode, that episode to see all the details around that. But to me, to us, it was a good deal, and obviously 99% of the Writers Guild membership agreed with that deal. And it's so weird that shortly after they they came up with this agreement, and then they were like, okay, now we're going to work on the actors. You would think that they would be under the same mindset that we just want this over and then to hear that they are offering less than what they proposed before the strike like what are we doing here? why <laughs> what's are we, going on why are we why are we prolonging this any further than we are when you know that you can make a deal and end this thing it just doesn't make any sense so now i'm really curious of like what are the demands like we, we know a little bit of what the demands are for act for the uh sag afra but we don't know everything until they release it. So I'm really curious on like what is being asked, why they're not coming to an agreement, because I feel like in some cases, specifically with AI, um, they it's very similar to what the writer strike was going through. Well, very much different because, you know, obviously they're using likeness and maybe that's where they're butting heads mm. um, where I don't know. But it just seems odd that after a week of bargaining, they had to walk away like they had to walk away from it. And so it's just sad. So now they're back in full swing. You would think that we, I thought we were ending this. I thought we we're going to come in this week saying they reached an agreement. They're going to vote on it, all that stuff. And no, it's just, it's just really sad to see that. But also on the good side of it, at least one strike is over. So, yeah, it's true. It just seems like maybe they're, they're valuing writing more. They're treating the writers as celebrities as like they used to treat the actual on-screen talent. Like, I, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't know. It just, this yeah. is, it's just, it's a, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting where, where we, it's just very clear where they see the value in. Yeah. Inve- at least for, for now. For anyway. the value in investing on what people, cause like you're in the same yeah. kind of negotiation, but you're able to come to terms with one than the other now, or is, did, I mean, Bob Iger has said before, you know, when he was on his ranch, <laughs> yeah <laughs> saying that that they have all they have unrealistic expectations so i mean do they yeah. I, maybe do all the heads feel like that is this i mean we obviously right. don't know the general specifics but maybe there there's no i don't know i'm curious to see where this is going to end i mean obviously i think the whole world is because we want to see yeah. kind of where the entertainment industry is going to go but the fact that we have one agreement that should be that should be the basis for the for the other agreement that's in that's about the same industry. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And what's funny is that so right now you right now like when the two strikes were going on, the only active thing that could happen is post production. Mm-hmm. 
So anything that was already filmed and already written can still be could, can still be completed and be released if the studio so wished to choose so. But now, right now with the actor strike, sorry, the writer strike being over, we can now work again on pre-production. We can start writing scripts. The directors can talk with writers, and we can get the ball moving that way. But you know the middle part when the movie still got to be made and the TV still got to be made. That part is still on hold. Yeah. So any previous projects that ha- that was working in the past is still on hold. So we can work on future projects and we can like tighten up the script on current projects, but we still can't move forward with those projects. So I think, as we said before, with if it doesn't start soon, we're really going to see the impact of this going into the new year. Yeah. We're really going to see it like early 2024, even into the summer. Some of the big blockbusters that we were anticipating might be pushed back by six months to a year because they didn't because the filming schedule wasn't right. We were talking about just two weeks ago how certain TV shows and movies, well primarily TV shows, are getting canceled because of this because they can't you know they can't uh, they don't know when they're going to be able to uh, go back and start writing and start filming. So for the for the studios it was just easier to cancel the show than it is to kind of wait it out. And so and that's just sad to see that. So. Yes. Yeah, yes, just, but yeah. I think in un- there's going to be the unexpected fallout from this. I think two things: we're going to get our we're going to hit our lull like we did our COVID mm-hmm. when everything just shut down. But then I feel like it's going to go from zero to one hundred because yes. if production has stopped now, but pre-production is going on. Like, can you imagine the amount of without being bogged down with current projects? You guys can primarily focus on all these things pre-production. And the only yeah. good thing, like you mentioned, which is it sucks, but it's also kind of a good thing. It's like shows that were like on the line of performing, like they're like, well, we're just going to have to cut cut the fat that's on the bottom. So now we only have right. the cream of the crop. But now I guess this opens up for much better projects. I don't know. This could have an unexpected sure. good consequence in the end. Like this is going to suck for yeah. a lot of people. For a long time, and obviously they need to kind of get the ball rolling. But I don't know. I, I'm hopeful for that. Once we get to a resolution, that on the mm. end of this, we could see something great. We could see some great work come out of different places. Hopefully, because they also to your point that the writers were allowed to write during the strike, just not for a studio, yeah. not tied to anything. So, like, excuse me, if they were having an idea, if they had an idea during the strike. They could have written a whole script on their own if they wanted yeah. to. So then now that the strike is over, they have something to present to other studios now. They can officially do that. But nothing was stopping them from actually writing. So to your point, with five months maybe you know, not doing too much, you could have had an opportunity to really develop something great. And we can see that in flourishing coming soon. Um, but yeah, I just find it really interesting that we are like literally we have one that's ended and one that we are just hitting roadblocks on. And I feel like if they're hitting roadblocks on, they're walking away from the bargaining table. Then I feel like it's going to take another month or so before we even start back on the going back to negotiating. And then we're going to be entering the holidays soon. And then now this is going to be bleeding into 2024. And then you're like, Oh man, all these, all these upcoming projects that we were looking forward to some that were almost done filming is just gonna be delayed, delayed, delayed. I, I, I guarantee that come 
probably November, December time, specifically with with projects in 2024, we're going to be coming back on this podcast and announcing delays, delays. Oh, delays. of course there is. Of course. Well, this is yeah. getting pushed back. I mean, we've already seen it with Wonka and um, mm-hmm. oh, what was the other? No, Won- no Wonka, Wonka stayed in its Dune. spot. It was uh, Dune. Dune. Dune was the big one that, that got pushed back. Yeah. Um, they they dropped they uh, they uh, pushed back Craven the Hunter by That's a what year. Yeah, yeah. Craven the Hunter. Yeah, too. I mean, and that's just um, them. Who knows what else we're gonna see on the other end? You know, I'm sure, true. like you said, I'm sure there's gonna be more. more. Yeah, uh, but yeah, ho- hopefully they can work it out, and we again, we just want the actors to have fair compensation and for everyone to get back to work because we really do like these these TV shows, these movies, and we just want some good content back on the screen. Even though we're get we're still getting some, we're on the holdovers, but eventually there's gonna be a lull. Um, and so, and I guess at that point we just start looking for other things to do. <laughs> um, but anyway, after that, this one, this next piece of news, Ernesto, this one hits me. This one hits home a little bit for me. It's, it's, it, this hits home. Um, Best Buy will start phasing out the sales of physical DVDs and Blu-ray discs and yeah. it both in stores and online in early 2024. A Best Buy spokesperson said, to state the obvious, the way we watch movies and TV shows is much different today than it, than it was a decade ago. Making this change gives us more space and opportunity to bring customers new and innovative tech for them to explore, discover, and enjoy. I'm going to put a little BS on that because the, 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 the DVD Blu-ray section at Best Buy, not that big. Not exactly. <laughs> not that big. <laughs> so to say that you have more space, you have maybe more space for like another display <laughs> just put just just put another tv right yeah. there that's like one tv yeah. that wasn't covering a lot of room <laughs> um best best buy will continue to sell movies and tv shows on physical uh on physical just through the 2023 holiday shopping season online and in stores before discontinuing the sales in the new year best buy will however continue to sell physical video game discs which i find interesting um best buys exit from the market will leave walmart amazon and target as top retailers in the u.s selling physical dvds and blu-ray discs this move comes after netflix ended its 25 year long dvd by mail service just last month shipping its last dvds to customers on september 29th and allowing them to keep their final disc that was also an end of an error as well but i think those two things are just kind of signif- uh, kind of showing that the way we consume content is changing mm. and we knew that already but now i think it's now hitting into the consumer market of how we get that content eventually and i know that target has been reducing the amount of stores that actually sell um physical um media like dvds and blu-rays so like there are certain targets out there in the u.s that you walk into and they have no uh blu-rays or dvds the ones that are local to us they still have them because i checked (laughs) um but uh but yeah i'm sure i mean but also that section has become a lot smaller over the years and so so yeah to me i mean especially best buy is the place to get the best like physical yeah uh, they always they always have good sales they have great sales, and they also have the steel books. Mm-hmm. They are like, if you want like a good casing for your Blu-ray or 4K, you went to Best Buy. They have the steel book. I always like the Marvel ones, not all of them, but I like some of them. And I just recently I picked up the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three steel book and the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse steel book. They're good. Like every like I don't I, I I've reduced the amount of physical 
4Ks that I – like the discs. I reduce the amount that I buy significantly over the mm. years, and I probably buy a handful of them over the years. Um, but at the same time, I get it with this yeah. – with, with movies going from theaters to to video on demand as, as low as two weeks, and then within a month or two months, depending on the movie, you can watch it on a streaming service, and people don't care to own that anymore yeah. if you're already paying for the streaming Except service. Except for us. <laughs> Except for people yeah. like us, no, but it because, makes sense. You know yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Because yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 no. I was just now. I, I mean, I just agree with you. I remember going on Black Friday and being like, "Ooh, what?" I mean, I got like the all eight seasons of Smallville for like yeah. for like under a hundred bucks, and I was like, "Man, this is great." I got the whole like almost the whole yeah. thing. I'm still waiting for this is when you know their series was still ongoing at that point. But right, but it was right. just it was things like that. But I mean, it makes sense. They can't compete. You even without yeah. Walmart and um, Target and Amazon. Like even think about Voodoo, which actually I'm sorry, I think is I think is owned by Walmart if I remember correctly. It's it's a Voodoo is I don't know if it's owned by Walmart, but I know uh, so so Universal owns Fandango that owns Voodoo. If you did not know that. No. Like so, so maybe not Universal Comcast. Comcast, who owns Universal, that owns Fandango, that now owns Voodoo. But Walmart is in there somewhere. Yeah. Walmart has some ties with Voodoo. Yeah. Because even through them, you can buy the movie digitally, and they and then you can choose an option where you can buy a physical disc, and they'll send it to you. Like, well, this is yeah. this is perfect, and especially now. So now I think we've tiered movies differently. So you have yes. you have your movies that you're like, oh, this movie, I really want to own this movie. But I don't yes. necessarily want to have the disc for this movie. I just want to be able to Correct. pull it up on my digital library. Whereas a movie mm-hmm. like Guardians Three, or like I got a few, like Nobody, Everything Everywhere All at Once, like just certain ones, mm-hmm. you're like, ooh, this one's going in the collection in case it gets yes. removed from everywhere else, or in case my voodoo goes down. Like this is one I want to make sure I have physically forever. You know, and it's just I think. I think 100%. there's just a, a higher value when it comes to physical discs now. It's just it's more yeah. of a of a collector's thing in case it goes away or you know or something happens. Yeah, and even the marketing that I see like at Target, it was like especially for Marvel movies, they were just like add to your collection. It's like they know they know that people <laughs> buy physical media for certain franchises. Um, but then every now and then, like I also own a copy of Everything Everywhere All at Once. I got it for Top Gun Maverick. Um, and I plan on doing it for other movies that came out this year. Like I want to own a physical copy of, um, of John Wick four mm. because I have all the other ones. Uh, I, I have all the Marvel ones, so I don't have Black Panther Wakanda forever yet, but I plan on it the same with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, even though like mm. Quantumania wasn't my favorite. I feel like at this point I've have all the other ones. I can't stop now. That, that was going to um, be my next question to you. So do you yeah. own, you own the entire collection of all Marvel movies? Oh yeah. Yeah. All of them. I own all so of them. So I started yeah. in, I had, I did like the first phase like all the way up until maybe I think maybe Infinity War. I think there's like maybe like one or two that I'm that I'm missing. But then after that, I was like, I'm good. Like <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Because then there's certain ones like I just don't like. Like I don't want to. I don't want to have a copy of Quantum Mania. Like I don't like. That's I can fair. just go on Disney That's Plus fair. to watch that. And if it goes away, yeah. it goes away. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you, you make a good point because with the age of streaming and specifically Disney Plus, it like for example with Guardians Three. Guardians was on Disney Plus before you can even get the physical media for yeah. it. So 
why to, to anybody else who doesn't care, why am I going to buy the movie and the stores when I can watch it for a subscription service that I'm already paying for and they're already giving it to me in the highest quality possible that I would? I ran into that issue with because like, I, I used to buy the Pixar movies. But then when they started coming on Disney Plus, I was like, well, I typically would never buy a Pixar movie in 4K. I didn't feel the need to do that with certain of the movies. So when I saw that it was going to be releasing in, in, in the resolution of 4K on Disney Plus, I'm like, well, then I have no reason to buy it because I'm not going to buy. I was never planning on buying the movie in 4K. So I have the better resolution and, and I'm already paying for it. I have no reason to pay for like a lower quality version of the movie just to have because it. it's, I have a just to have it when I have a better quality version of the movie really readily accessible to me yeah. and I know it's not going anywhere. So, so yeah, that's the dilemma that I've been dealing with these the past few years, but now it feels like, because Best Buy, again, you made a good point, always had the best deals on mm-hmm. them. So now that that's going away, Target never put good deals on, on, on 4Ks. Amazon, you're lucky if you can get that and Walmart never has a sale. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like for me, it's that's a true end of an era. And now, as the Best Buy spokesperson said, they have plenty of more room. They can put nothing in their store. <laughs> but I, and I think what I think, I mean, I I understand why they're sticking to video games. It makes sense. I mean, that's where they're gonna make. Mm, oh, yeah. they're gonna make more money like that. They can, you know, I think you know, like GameStop does it. Will they'll release yeah. like game exclusive things if you buy it from this specific store gamestop mm-hmm. notorious for that i haven't seen best buy do that in a while but like yeah, they just they, they got they, a top they, really they got it. i mean that's really the smart thing to do and you offer different things because then you know then if, if you know like oh well i want to get the best buy because this one has the map or this one has the skin that right. I want or whatever whatever the case may be yeah, and also, I mean, it just also just tells that if GameStop, after all these years, no matter how many issues they've had over the years, how many stores they had to shut down, they're still alive and they're still doing it. And it's better than what Movie Stop was able to do because they had to shut down all those stores. Oh, I yes, it's right. better. I loved. Oh man, I loved Movie Stop. That was my that was my place, Ernesto. That and an Fye. Those mm, are my homes. That's right. And then also the also obviously Blockbuster, but blockbuster i had it down to a science that when a certain movie came out but then they put it in like in the bargain bin and they had the two for 20 deal and it was like five months after it was there and i used to go there i was like ha ha mom i told you told you two movies two movies two for 20 20. got Got (laughs) them two for 20 got two new releases right here um and so uh yeah it was it, those are great times. And it was also just a good excuse to go to the store and, you know, kind of shift through what they had and maybe find a good deal in the mix. It's, 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 no, it doesn't do that anymore. Now I just, I just go to Voodoo every Tuesday, see what's on sale. And if it's, if it's 10 or less, I might buy it. And that's, that's kind of where, <laughs> where I'm at. That's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of where I'm Yeah. Like there, like in my mind, I'm not spending more than $10 on a, on a digital copy of a movie. So, and then on top of that, if you're going to see like, oh, it's $10. Well, hold on. Let me see if this is yeah. streaming somewhere. Yeah. Let me see if this is on a streaming somewhere <laughs> service first before I commit to buying this movie that I could watch for then, that I could watch for an, at no additional cost. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny because like I've been wanting to get all of the like not the MCU, but the Marvel movies, like all of them, like even like the Blades, the Ghost, uh, Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. Fantastic Fours. I've been trying to collect those every now and then. 
uh, just add to my digital library because I have all the MCU movies digitally, but not all of the like all of the Marvel yeah. movies. So, but I actually, but I also own all the DVDs for the Marvel movies as well. I just want them digitally. But either way, the Blade Trin- Trilo- trilogy in particular, there was always like, oh, it's on sale for fifteen. Three movies, fifteen. That's five dollars each. Yeah, that's good. But it's still streaming on Peacock, so uh, it's not like I wait. <laughs> It's not like I'm watching it anytime soon. It's just adding it to my library. So if I really want to watch it, I can go to Peacock. But in the meantime, I know it's still there. But, <laughs> well, no, because even then you would just watch it. Let's say if it left Peacock and then the new yeah. Blade movie's coming out, what are you going to do? Right. Then you're going to. I mean, I. But maybe. You but would feel like, compelled. You would feel compelled to buy it. I will. You're right. <laughs> I will feel compelled to buy it. But also, like, it's so funny because now I, I have, like, a whole bunch of DVDs, right? And even like with like the Blade trilogy, I own on DVD, all three of them. But before I even pop in that DVD, I would see if it's streaming anywhere else because like I don't want to watch this in like standard definition. I want like a, I want I want 4K. I want HD. So like even my DVDs now become useless because most of those movies are in, in a streaming service somewhere and they're presenting it in a higher quality. <laughs> True. So so anyway, I get off my soapbox on that. But yeah, end of an era. Pretty sad about it, but. It's not to say that it's not to say that I'm too surprised by this. No, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, and kind of on the flip side of that, almost like, yes. almost like <laughs> I, I kind of actually like the way that you stack these two stories because like we're talking <laughs> about the end of an era, but now we're going to talk about something that's the possibly the future of Netflix. So Netflix right. is planning to open a series of physical retail stores called Netflix House starting in 2025. The stores will sell merchandise based on popular Netflix shows and movies and will also offer food and drink inspired by the shows. In addition, the stores will host live events such as screenings, Q&A sessions, and meet and greet with the cast and crew members. Netflix has not released many details about the stores yet, but it is clear that the company is trying to create a unique and immersive experience for its fans. The stores will be a place where fans can go to shop for its merchandise, eat and drink food from their favorite shows, and participate in exclusive events. Um, This is an incredible idea. I think that we've been waiting for something like this to happen. We've been waiting to see how streaming can come out in the physical world. And I think this Mm -hmm. is – and it's almost it almost sounds like – a mini movie theater like that would make yeah. sense like give me give us a couple screens and you've got like a rotating thing that's like well this this one has got netflix movies and this one today they're playing this series or i don't know like they could do so many different things and i thought it was interesting that they bring up the live events because it almost seems like oh well, it's we're not gonna have to go to the cons anymore we're just gonna have our own cons at one of these at one of these events that's a good point and it will, this is where we can do our big drops like we'll bring we'll bring press we can bring everybody here and we can do our we can literally do everything all our promotion in-house in our physical stores i mean they already do it now they got the even i'm sorry we're talking about the food now like Look at Surfer Boy Pizza from Stranger Things. They can literally, yeah. they, they already sell those by the freezer. I'm sure there's already more and there's going to be more that they're going to think of and incorporate now. Yeah. But my only worry is that Netflix will become like, a, it's like this show is like, oh, which product are they going to place in here so they can sell in their stores? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, what are your thoughts? 
I, I, I kind of like it, too, because it's nothing like right now. You know, obviously, we live in Orlando. Halloween Horror Nights is a big deal right now for all the people who live in Orlando, Floridians. It's a huge event. Mm-hmm. And, th- and throughout the years, Netflix has been in a partnership with, uh, with Universal. And they've done um, Stranger Things. In, in like they, they've created those experience already in partnership with Universal. Mm-hmm. So back in 2019, I believe, was the first year. Or 2018 was the first year they did Stranger Things. And then, yeah, it was 2018. And then 2019, they did Stranger Things season two and three. And now this year, they did Stranger Things four. And then in 2021, I believe, they did um, The Haunting of Hill House. Mm. So, like, Universal, I'm sorry, Netflix is kind of been dipping their toes in this in a while to create these experiences coming out of their shows. And now this year, like you said, they have Surfer Boy Pizza. There's a lot of merchandise that comes around that as well that they were selling and i'm sure that they were looking at that among other things but they're like people are really into this people really enjoy immersing themselves into our programming why not just make uh, like a permanent hub for that and i'm assuming this is me at my assumption anyway they're probably going to start in la because that's where their 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 uh, offices are and then if this is a success then they're going to start branching out to other parts of the country. Um, makes a whole bunch of sense. The fact that this is a place for screenings and Q&As and hosting live events, you make a yeah, great point. Everything will be in-house now. They can bring, bring the media over. If they want to push something and promote something, this will be the place to do it. If you want people to say, hey, you want to go see this movie for free in, in our theater, pr- presumably, then yeah, let's do that too. Make this an event. Come meet the celebrities. We have the red carpet, literally. It's Netflix red. Hmm. <laughs> Put down the Netflix red carpet and have our premieres here as well. I think it's a good, at least trial run to see if this can work for Netflix, because I think there's a lot of, they, they have a lot of big IPs they can go off of. Obviously we talked about stranger things. I know one piece was pretty popular. Uh, A lot of people like the show, so they can go off of that. Bridgerton was another big one that they kind of um, became really popular from that. And so Netflix does have its heavy hitters that they can, easily do and after coming from new york we we, i just visited new york um and we talked about this two weeks ago i saw the back to future musical but um, among that we went to 30 rock and 30 rock has a whole nbc store on the on like the bottom floor and they had every nbc merch you can think of there and so if you're a fan of the office you're a fan of snl if you're a fan of jimmy fallon seth myers all that merch is there and it cost them little to nothing to have that there so why why not Netflix give it give it a go on Netflix house? So yeah, I think this is a good idea. I'm really curious to see how this is gonna work. We're some of the year and a bit away from it. But uh, I think it can prove if done right, they can they can turn this into something pretty Agreed. good. And something pretty fun. Yeah, I agree. Um but yeah, so I mean again, hopefully it works out for them. Uh, but moving on from the streaming world, this news I find this really interesting. Yeah. I was not expecting this at all. Uh, but Chris Rock is in final talks to direct and produce a Martin Luther King Jr. biopic for Universal Pictures with none other than Steven Spielberg on board to executive produce. Uh, The movie will be based off the Jonathan Iggs biography, King, A Life. Iggs' book has been called the definitive biography of the late civil rights icon. Uh, The uses of new FBI information, hundreds of interviews to paint a portrayal of King as a courageous and emotional, tro- emotionally troubled individual who demanded peace, peaceful 
protest while grippling his own uh, his own frailties, frailties, and a government that haunted that hunted him. Uh, since it's in the early development process, casting has not been announced. Um, I do believe Chris Rock can be a good director. I've seen him do it in his movie Top Five. I thought that was a great movie. Mm, I don't think I've ever seen it. it it's it's really funny. It has uh, Rosario Dawson <laughs> in it. It's 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 a good it's a good movie. What I did not like his most recent directing <laughs> movie. Um, was saw Jigs? Uh, no, Spiral. Spiral. Yeah, Spiral. yeah that was awful. <laughs> so, I. So, <clears throat> any words of advice for Chris Rock, <laughs> which he's not listening to this and he doesn't need it for me, no. but just saying, give us a top five. Do not give me a Spiral. We, we don't need. We don't need Spiral. Um, um I'm. But yeah, I'm, I, I found this interesting. I'm kind of hope. I don't know. Maybe. I mean. He's doing it with Steven Spielberg. So, I mean, Spielberg, that, that's yeah. got to at least put a, a step up in his book. But I, Absolutely. my hope is that they just treat his life with respect and that. Absolutely. But, I mean, we already got some. But I guess Selma was about that event. I guess so this is going to encapsulate yes. kind of everything. Even go over. So if it's going to go over the good, the, the good and the bad. Because, you know, there's many things that are contested about his life. So. Right. I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm going to be. We're gonna see it. I'm gonna be interested to see it. This... Yeah, yeah, I'm interested in seeing it. Like, I feel like this is the the Elvis of, well, like the Elvis I, approach I where we're Elvis. gonna. Well, right, right. <laughs> we're not like the the idea of what Elvis was, which was we're gonna start from we're gonna give you like a, a two and a half hour overview of his entire life from beginning to end, yeah. and it feels like that's what this movie's going to be. We're gonna have a full overview and most likely a you know in a long biopic. Um, and fashion which i'm i'm okay with you know i'm perfectly fine with it like you said we did get selma not too long ago but that's i mean this is not going to be the first or the last time we're going to see a martha luther king jr oh, <laughs> movie and as it shouldn't be they yeah. should make a million movies about him i mean but yes we'll, we'll see what chris rock has to bring to the table but you know what i yeah you know I, what i think oh no go ahead no, I just find it interesting that Chris Rock will be directing this movie. Yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not 100% familiar with him as a director. I saw it from the two movies I just listed, but like maybe he brought something to the table that really intrigued Universal and Spielberg to make him the best candidate to do a movie like this. You know what I think? Mm. I think they just feel bad for him because he got the shit slapped out of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But speaking of the slap. <laughs> Yes. Miss Segway. Yeah, nice nice we're gonna make a hard left turn. <laughs> um, yeah. Miss Jada Pinkett Smith was on the Today Show this past week and gave Hoda an exclusive interview. Kind of she's promoting her book. And within her book, some certain things have come to light. I think the main thing that has kind of like taken the internet by storm, which like in the beginning, like kicking off her like little book tour she's doing, is that, that yeah. her and Will Smith has been have been separated in 2016 which is kind of weird because at the Oscars Will Smith is now famously known for telling Chris Rock to keep his wife's his wife's name out of his fucking yeah. mouth not not right. not my separated partner's name out of your mouth <laughs> my I believe his exact words were get my wife's name out your mouth um yes and on top of that, they, 
like the whole entanglement thing where she had an affair and he like kind of knew about it. I don't even really know the whole thing about it, but apparently that's yeah. something that they both went on her sh- Facebook show, Red Table Talk, and they had an open discussion with the entire world mm-hmm. about the inner workings of their marriage. And I think that's yeah. where like just with the whole uh, the whole thing that kind of exploded on the Oscars, like she mentioned that she thought it was a skit until Will turned around. I was like, and no, no, no one believes that. Like, <laughs> we all saw what happened. Yeah. I le- this is my personal opinion. Like, I, I just don't believe her. I think that she's, <laughs> she, maybe they have been separated, but I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it just seems weird. Oh, you just decide to drop this information the week you're doing your book tour, or you just decided, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, relieve this deeply personal information about my life. I mean, regardless, they they broadcast their entire their whole life is broadcasted all over the internet. And I feel like like it's just hard for me because I used to respect and love Will Smith so much when I was a kid. Like Fresh Prince yeah. of Bel Air, Independence Day, yeah. Bad Boys. Like in his book, he even talks about like how he wanted to be the greatest. Um, actor in the world and and, and to a certain extent he is like but it yeah it's kind of hard now because all the all the limelight on him has nothing to do with his acting ability and or career it has to do with what his action is just it's not even his action it's this woman who's i guess not his wife his separated partner is what Mm -hmm. she's revealing about their life and like she's i just it just seems like in poor taste you know what i mean yeah, I, yeah, I see what you're saying, and like I'm reading some of it now, and yeah, that she said that uh, I thought this was a skit. I was like, there's no way that Will would hit him. It wasn't until Will started to walk back to his chair is then when I realized it wasn't a skit. Um, yeah, and and I guess like there there was trying to have like Chris Rock had tried to reach out to Jada Pickett Smith, or maybe they had a conversation about it, or no, it was. It was uh, that's right. It was Chris Rock going to her backstage that night, uh, like immediately apologizing. Right. He said, "Hey, that's I didn't I did not uh, I did not mean that in poor taste." He like he apologized instantly. Yeah. Uh, to to what to what Jada Pick was talking about um, in that interview, I saw a little bit of it, um, and she said and she said that we're just gonna table this, and she kind of just brushed it off. It was like he was kind of say, "Hey, I didn't really mean that. I'm deeply sorry," and he was like. We got a lot of things to figure out. It's not you. I believe if I understood this correctly, she was saying it's more than just than the joke. It's, you know, it's a lot of things that's going on between us and stuff like that. And they kind of brushed it off. And I, from my understanding, it didn't seem like they spoke since then about the situation. And I know that Chris Rock had a special comedy special not too long ago that I don't know what streaming service. It's on I forgot which one it was on Netflix. And I know he talked about the slap and that, that recent comedy special. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just, to me, it's kind of crazy that now we're approaching about a year and a half after that event, um, and it's still under the topic of discussion. So a lot, a lot that's going to getting figured out. I think the main thing that we can deduce here, especially with Jada Pickett Smith's most recent comments, is that it has a lot to do with you know where they are with their marriage right now. Um, are they still se- are they considering they're still separated? Um, and they just have a lot of work out, and it just seems like they're trying to. Hopefully, they're working on it. We haven't seen Will Smith out and about lately at all um, basically he, he, he releases all, yeah. like these random instagram videos where he's doing like these weird edits and like he there's just there's no as public as this all is there's like almost zero there's like zero words from him 
pertaining any of this. And it's like, you don't have to give it to us, but this woman has made it the world's interest that we know the inner workings of your life. So now we all have, so now guess what? We all have questions. (laughs) You're releasing this information. Well, guess what? When you say shit like that, you open yourself up for feedback. And we are all telling you that this is not okay. (laughs) Like, like it's, it's unfortunate. It's almost like you feel bad for him. Yeah. Excuse me a little bit. Yeah, you do. And like, I remember he came out of the movie last year called Emancipation. Um, that was on uh, Apple TV Plus. That was uh, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, no, I don't. I don't believe Apple really promoted this movie at all. Um, it's still just sitting there. Um, I, from what I heard, he did a good performance in it. But this was this was filmed prior to what was going on. The next project that he is tied to is the Bad Boys sequel with Martin Lawrence. So. He's still getting work, obviously. So I think the next movie we're going to see him in is the Bad Boys sequel. I'm not sure what the title is. It's just Bad Boys 4. Um, but, yeah, so we know that's in the horizon for him. But other than that, I mean, look, it's just like we – I I agree with you. I used to respect Will Smith a lot more, even even just most recently. Like we saw him in King Richard. We both believe that he deserved the Oscar for that – for the, his performance – um, shortly before that, we were just reading his book, and I thought his book was Same. great. A lot of insight, a lot of insight on his on his character, um, and I just loved how the book was presented. And yeah, this is just putting a sour taste um, into this whole thing. And I just hope he can figure it out, and he can, you know, they can work something out, or if it's an official separation. But just just go, coming back out here and just making good movies again, exactly, um, and just being the best person you can be um, after all this is over. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I feel like that on me personally, like I'm surprised she just brought this back up, but I think this just needs to be put to bed. You, you guys figure it out behind closed doors. And then when you guys are ready to whatever outcome that comes out of this, just put it back into your yeah, work. I, that's, that's how I so feel. I agree with you. And I have, I have only have one more thing because when you brought us this book, you, you reminded me of something. In the book, sure, sure. in the book, they talk about their relationship. I don't know if you remember. They talk about her fortieth birthday and like how she didn't want all the the attention. And yes. they ended up break it like it was like a big break in their relationship. So in the book, they talk about their relationship. Nowhere mm-hmm. in the book do they mention going through a hard separation. In fact, they yeah. talk about strengthening their relationship as a couple. So it right, just seems right. it just yeah. seems weird, right? It just seems weird. Yeah. It's just very strange. It just seems like it's like it's almost like, yeah, we're separated, but we're still together. And we have like we also have a family that we had to, you know, to raise. So like there's that aspect of it as well. You know, um, even though these kids are they're grown now. So and they're all super successful. You know, and so they're, they're yeah, successful they're, yeah. in their yeah, own they, right. Yeah. I mean, besides their That's entire true. family life being broadcast to the entire world. But, you yeah. know. I, I don't know. I just, it's not really news. It's kind of more gossip than anything, but it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just something that's just worth mentioning. It's just, it's just very strange sure. human behavior. I think that, I think that's why it intrigues me more than anything because like in, in this, maybe this is part of the problem is like how certain people would, when you grow up, you like, you look at certain like celebrities yeah. and you idolize them. You put them in this light where you idolize them a little bit and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. that's something I want to achieve too. But then like you get, you get to know them over the years. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, oh, yeah, 
Well, that's kind of crazy. I don't know if I would have done that. Yeah. Like, and then you just like, you just yeah, like to see, like, I think, I guess you see like cracks and then it's just like, oh, yeah. well, yeah, they're human beings too. But then like, what is it about that person that made you idolize them? What, like, what is right. that? Yeah. Like, why is it that you have expectations of these people who you literally have no idea who you are, but yet you right. look to them yeah. for something? Like, what is that? It's just curious. Like, what is that something? I guess it's the same way, like, people look at sports figures. Like, if you're into sports, you know, you follow sure. certain players that you idolize and you just maybe because they look so they're, they're at such a height of success. And you wonder why, well, you know, they must have their life together. But, you know. We're all just yeah, trying to figure also, shit out, I guess. <laughs> I think I think you make a good point. I think also part of it is this: like we we really enjoy what they're able, like whether it's from their performance, the writing, the directing, whatever it was, they made you feel something, yeah. and therefore it's like I want to feel that again every time I go to the movie. And I know, and there's a guarantee that when I see a movie, when with this person in it. I'm going to feel something for it. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to cry. I'm just going to be really excited because that charisma, what you were able to put on screen, the same goes for a sporting event. When this guy, when these players are playing their best out there and you're devoted to this team and you are like for them, they're contributing to you, the, the success of the team. And you've been there since their beginning. And you, you, you do form this relationship, this story of what you want, them to be for you and because i feel like we build these deep connections just through a screen when things falter like that you're like man what happened like i i i i feel like in some cases like oh you're better than that but like it's all it's it's even sports it's it's a performance yep we're not 100 percent getting their real selves until they do that every now and then a lot of people hide it better than others a lot of people we see it in their true forms like like their performance and their selves are the same and you can tell they're just good people around. Some people hide it better than others. But, yeah, no, I totally understand that like, you have that connection with these actors or these sports figures or anybody that we kind of idolize because we, we, we felt something when they when they did something on screen. I think, I think, as you were kind of mentioning, I think what it is for me is that you are someone who has decided, you know what, my life, I'm going to be in the yeah. public eye. So what that means is that your life is on display for everybody to see. Now, you can choose to keep parts separate, but there's certain aspects of your life that unavoidably are going to be public, like who you're married to, who you're with. Like People are going to be interested in that because of what we were just talking about. But I think, right. um, I don't know, like there's like because your life is public, like, yeah, I don't have a right to tell you how to live your life. But since your life is public, I have a right to have my own opinion. Because I'm a human being. Sure. And that's just yeah. what we do. Yeah, yeah. We hear shit and yeah. that's just what we do. We are we are all judgmental human beings. As much as we all try not to be, we listen to shit, we hear shit, and we internalize it and we put it through our filter and then we spit out and think and we have our feelings about certain situations. And it's just yeah. weird. It feels like Well, I, I I'm I'm not gonna get it. I, I, I think I'm done. I, I don't like I because I cause I I don't know her, so I don't really need to yeah. have. I don't need to bash her personally. I just don't have positive feelings toward her. I think what she it just seems distasteful for what for yeah. what the way that these things are going about. But if her and her family are all right with that, then you know what, live your life by all means. By all means, live your life, girl. <laughs> sell your book. That's all. <laughs> sell, sell your book. 
that's a, that's a good way to end it. Just, you know what, Pickett Smith, just sell your just book. Just sell that book. Just, just, People want to know, book. and just we get it. You're still in love with Tupac. It's very unfortunate that he passed away. <laughs> we understand that you guys have a very deep connection, but you are married to Will Smith. Like, like you can't. You got to stop talking about Tupac. He is a he is an amazing rapper. He was a, he was a poet of our time, and he was taken from us, and we understand that. But you also need. We need to stop talking about him. <laughs> like he's, like you're, like you're yeah, married I, to him. <laughs> hey, I mean, she's 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 still with the Fresh Prince. Uh, you're, the, no, they're not. They're not, always. Matt. They're not. They're <laughs> not anymore. Remember, they're not. They're not together anymore. I, I, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> they're separated since 2016. Uh, apparently, 2016. Uh, uh, all right. All right, you know what? Let's talk about some really good news. Yeah, let's talk about. I guess I guess it depends on how you look at it. Well, I'm not sure if this is great. Uh, th- again, you're right. It depends on who you're asking. Uh, Daredevil: Born Again. I'm talking about some nerd stuff now. Is undergoing a major creative overhaul as Marvel Studios parted ways with head writers uh, Chris Ord and Matt Corman, uh, the creators behind COVID Affairs. I was on USA, and is currently seeking new writers to revamp the show. Um, Ord and Corman will still be credited as exec- as executive producers with only half of the 18 hour long episodes having been shot prior to the beginning of the SIAC, the SAG AFRA strike. Marvel has also released the directors for the remaining episodes of the season. Some elements of the already shot material will be used going forward, but Marvel is looking to take the show in a new creative direction. According to the Hollywood reporter sources say that, Writers Ord and Corman crafted a legal procedural that did not resemble the Netflix version known for its action and violence. Cox didn't even, um, Charlie Cox, um, who was playing Daredevil, uh, didn't even show up in costume until episode four, which is crazy, by the way. Yeah, Um, that's wild. uh, Kevin Feige, along with other Marvel executives, reviewed the footage and admitted that it wasn't working. I will say... That yes, this can be seen as a negative and a positive, considering that there is a part of me that would love to see a Daredevil legal procedural. I think that could be a fun concept, especially when there's 18 episodes um, that they have to put out. I think a, a decent wide range of what this show could be. But if if we if they was lacking something that they knew that the fans was not going to enjoy, and on top of that, their latest. Netflix shows, I'm sorry, not Netflix, their latest Disney Plus shows have not been hitting the mark. I think this is a good time to start with, okay, we got to put out something new because we're losing them. Yeah. Um, I think this is great. I think this is great news. I mean, if Daredevil not showing up until episode four, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> Especially when we just saw him, when we've already seen him be Daredevil in other things currently in the yeah. mcu mm-hmm. like the weird cameos that he has in she-hulk yeah where he like becomes her like little love buddy like yeah that's weird what is that yeah that was that was a strange that was a strange time yeah. and i but i'm glad that there's a lot higher scrutiny on the tv shows like they're seeing that they're not like you said they're seeing that they're not working and they're gonna make some changes so yeah i'm i'm here for it let's I- I, I, well, I, I'm curious to see what what direction like, and it seems them talking that it doesn't resemble the Netflix show is that they realize that that worked for that character. Hundred so percent. They need to they need to bring that into that show. Yeah, so, and I, I think it's also clear that this is more or less going to be a reboot of sorts, but we're utilizing mm-hmm. the same characters. If we want to dive into the multiverse of it all, if we're still even going along that, 
we notice that we can have the same characters that look the same, but we're just getting an altered version of those characters. And I think it's great that that uh, Marvel is able to recognize that Vincent D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox, and John Bernthal were still the perfect casting for Kingpin, Daredevil, and The Punisher. Yeah, so, I agree. And, uh, and we also know that Echo is still a series that is completed, and it was supposed to be released this Thanksgiving, but they pushed it back to early 2024. So with that, that will be the next time we'll probably see some of these characters. And this could be like a uh, like a, a pro not a is it a prologue? Is that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get this prologue is before, epilogue yeah. is after. Okay, yeah. So this would be a prologue to the Daredevil series, which most likely will be pushed back because of the the SAG after strike. But I do see this as a positive note because if it isn't working, I'm tired of Marvel not working. Let's just put it that yeah. way. I I need Marvel to They've work again. On, they be- They've been on a losing streak for a little, so quite some time. Now. Well, have, have you seen? I mean, we're going to get into it and in what you're watching, but have you started watching Loki? I have not started Loki yet, and okay. as, so far, it doesn't seem like I'm missing much. I've I've that I've heard sound good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've heard mixed reviews about it. People are enjoying it. People are saying it's okay. The fact that now it's funny because like with Ahsoka and like even Secret Invasion, I was getting like spoilers online. The fact that we're two episodes in, I haven't started it and I haven't seen a word of it online mm. makes me curious. It's like because at this point, it's like man, something got spoiled for me. Nope, nothing. <laughs> so, nothing to report here. That, nope, all <laughs> good here. Six episodes of Loki season two. We're almost halfway there, and nope, all not a all, peep. Not not a peep. I'm like, damn. Uh, that is, that's not a good sign for me. Like, there, no. like that shows me that there is no urgency to watch it. I will get to it. Like, probably by the end of this week, I might just do like a three episode binge. Um, I know Megan's leaving out of town for work by next week, so maybe I'll just wait until then to start <laughs> it because you know we're not watching anything else. So, yeah, it's just, to me, it's just like, damn, like Secret Invasion really took me out of it. I there weren't like I'm on board for a lot of Marvel stuff. But like between Quantum Mania, that was like for me it was like the really start of it. I was like, Ugh. That was, yeah, that was that was, that was great. gross. <laughs> that <wasn't> great, <laughs> not great. <laughs> and then you had um, like Secret Invasion. I was like, what are we doing, guys? What are we? What's going on? Like I'm here for you. I'm gonna continue watching it because I'm in the bed. But like I got one foot out of the bed now. Like I'm, I might be getting off of it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, I like, I'm, I feel like I'm never going to not watch the newest Marvel thing, but we really got to start. Like, I think the biggest, for me, the biggest thing is that there's no clear vision of what is happening here. Like, yeah, the quantum mania was supposed to be the start of it. Like I can give you, I can give you the, Hey, we're, we're at a restructuring phase after Endgame, new beginnings, all these new characters. I got you, Marvel. I'm here with you. But when you tell me that Quantum Mania was supposed to be like, okay, now you're going to understand where we're going with the multiverse, and it didn't do jack shit. Well, <laughs> I what what I can say is that I could see what they were trying to do. Because what is sure. it the director said about Quantum Mania that that Quantum Mania is is important as Civil War, which we saw was not correct. That was nowhere near being correct. It's false. That is. False. 100%. Shut up. <laughs> you sit down. Shut up. Watch this fucking movie again and tell me what you think. You're wrong. 
first of all, if it's like Civil War, where are the other superheroes at? No one. They're not nowhere there. Nope. Crickets. Nope. Oh, did anything like really impactful? Did a, did a main character die? No, no. He saved at the last second. No. So what stakes were there? None. None. Absolutely zero. I mean, the one thing we get at the end is Kang meeting, you know, what did I call it? Kang Con. Kang Con at the end where they all meet up. Oh, and by the way, we don't even know if we're going to use Jonathan Majors anymore yeah. because he's beating his girlfriend. Yeah, we, so who knows if he's even still going to be Kang? Yeah. We might just change him in the middle of the multiverse. All, Which, you know what? They might, they might have to end up doing. They might have to end up doing. And also, like, by the end of Quantumania, you're just, like, sitting there. It's like, okay, so when he comes back, shit's going to be different, right? Nope. Everything's the same. So, like, so, nope. okay, so this whole movie, aside from introducing Kang, has been pretty much pointless. Yep. Now you got it right. Uh, now, you know what will suck is at the end, at somewhere down the line, they go, oh, you remember in Quantumania when this one random thing happened that seemed innocuous? Well, guess what? We just retrofitted, so that's like a major it, plot point. Yeah. So, what, yeah. so like we basically finished writing the movie because you know the whole movie in itself doesn't matter, so we have to have outside context to make it matter now. So this one thing was – this one little thing happening is really the kickstart of what's happening over here in the background. Yeah. Yeah, we so uh, get the fuck up. Go somewhere with that. <laughs> Marvel, you you need some work. You need. Well, some it work. seems like it seems like they're starting in that direction. Yes, because it between does. that, because between that shit and She Hulk, and I think for me, I think what really like set it off was James Gunn's exit. Like he basically yeah. like like the way his exit and like giving us that perfect trilogy and go. All right, Marvel, see ya. Just I'm gonna go run. <laughs> I'm gonna go play with Batman now. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna go write Superman movie. Like yeah. you guys yeah. finish you I've done what I can do for you. Let me go show you, let me go finish what I'm doing. Let me go kickstart and finish what I'm doing over here. Yeah. And then everything past Guardians, like, has anything hit how good Guardians was? Has anything even come close to it? Well, so so I will I will say this. If we're you know going into Marvel talk right now. Out of outside of Endgame, a lot of people say Marvel has not been as great since Endgame. I'm not doubting that, but we've had its moments. We had some good Correct. I agree. Marvel moments after Endgame. I two things I go to the most, and they well actually three. They gave us Wandavision, which was a great kickstart into the Disney Plus series. That was a great show. Um, I also enjoyed uh, Loki season one, another another mm-hmm. heavy hitter, and I liked what they did with Hawkeye. That those three shows were pretty solid. They gave us um, Shang-Chi and Legend of Ten Rings. That was a great movie. That was a great movie yeah. to introduce the character. I agree. Yeah. You have um, Spider-Man No Way Home that made me cry twice. I mean, when a movie can hit me emotionally like that, I know other people have their issues with it, but I really enjoyed the movie. I thought that was yeah. a top-tier Marvel for me. And then also um, – and then he had Guardians, which was an emotional journey, had nothing to do with the bigger MCU on purpose. And so we've had its moments, but – like what what the biggest frustration is that where we are in the bigger peach bigger picture moving forward with the MCU have no fucking idea what's going on and what you're doing. Yeah, like before it just kind of just seems like we're just getting stories within the universe where yeah. like like they're like they're trying to set up for the next movie, but at the same time we're just like aimlessly walking in the desert. Like there's no yes. like it's like maybe we're getting talks of like secret wars like they haven't even like what yeah. Doctor Strange going into the multiverse like that like I don't know we're I guess we're getting small snippets of it but it's not enough to where the picture is starting to become clear. 
Well, it's just not enough to make it feel like if I'm going to do like a rewatch and tie all these stories together, it doesn't seem like I need to do that because like, yeah. it's like, I feel like if you're giving me like, uh, like, like, I feel like 5% of the movie is showcasing the future of the MCU and 95 of it is, is just filler. Like if we're looking at the bigger picture, of the MCU, and I feel like there were two movies that offered huge disappointments, which was Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness and and ant-man and the lost quantumania that you pitched as these are the movies that are gonna give you answers to what we're planning here and it just didn't do that so now like the marvels are, is not gonna do that black panther wakanda forever was never gonna do that guardians 3 was never gonna do that spider-man was never gonna do that so like when are you gonna do it yeah what, what like, do we what, have coming what, that's gonna do that for us so i think deadpool 3 is going to be another one of those movies where we're going to get another snippet of what the future is. And maybe Loki Season 2 is doing that as well when it comes to the multiverse. These are the next two projects. Loki Season 2 and Deadpool 3 are the next projects that we know are going to be dealing with the multiverse. And so with that, how big of the multiverse are we going to be diving into within these two properties to give us what's going to be moving forward within the MCU? Who knows? Uh, I think Deadpool is just going to be a fun ride through the Fox library of, yeah. of, of characters. And I'm not expecting anything more than that. If you so happen to give us, like, this is what we're doing the MCU, bravo to you. But I'm not expecting that in this movie. I'm expecting just, like, Deadpool just screwing things up within the multiverse, diving into the other Fox properties. We're going to see Hugh Jackman, and it's going to be a fun ride. Um, that's the movie I'm expecting. And if you give me something more than that, then I'm in, I'm in for it. And with, I think with Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman being involved and with with Daredevil kind of going back to Daredevil being mm-hmm. re, kind of going back to the drawing board, I think Marvel recognizes the issues their fans having. Because I think I mentioned it when we had Sonica and Steven on when we reviewed Quantumania that I think just yeah. like we need to stop making excuses for Marvel. Like. If it's yeah, bad, yeah. it's not good. It's just not good. Yeah. Like we can still like Marvel and still hate some of the shit that they put out. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I feel like we're getting to that point as oh, well. Oh, we've already gotten which, there. We've gotten there. <laughs> we've been which, there. Which is, which is, excuse me, which is sad because they were putting out like heavy hitters. And yeah. Again, and I've said, I said this before. It's hard to come off of Endgame. It really is. Like any other franchise, if it wasn't Marvel or superhero related you would have ended there. You would have been like, congratulations, you did it. You gave us a satisfying conclusion to these stories. And then, but now you have a whole other group of characters you never even touched before. So like, I get the reason why you continue, but you got to give us a reason why we need to stick around for it. And so far they haven't proved that just yet. You got the core fans, but you got to bring in the new ones. Yeah. So. Agreed. I'm done there. Are you done? You off your soapbox now? I'm I'm off I'm off of it. We're good. Well, All right, last story. To round out the news, <laughs> Michael Myers might be getting his own TV series. Why? Who knows? <laughs> because it wasn't enough that we fucking killed him. We had a movie called Halloween Kills, where spoiler alert, they throw him in a fucking meat grinder, like, or a, or that, a wood that, chipper. That I'm was sorry, ha- a wood chipper. Wood chipper. <laughs> it was Halloween Ends, by the way. That they. Killed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then they ceremoniously yeah. carry him. And then all their hands just throw him in. And that's how the movie, quote-unquote, series ended. So, guess yep. what? Miramax has secured the TV rights to the Halloween franchise. 
which are controlled by Trancus International Films, a new Halloween series is envisioned to potentially launch a cinematic universe spanning more films <laughs> and television. The deal marks a new chapter in Miramax and Trancus' partnership on the Halloween franchise as both companies most recently purchased the successful Halloween trilogy. Blumhound produced. Um, Oh, sorry. Produced the successful Halloween trilogy. Blumhouse, who also co-produced the recent Halloween trilogy, is not part of the deal. So it seems like Blumhouse said, hey, we're going to close it out. If y'all want to do whatever afterwards, then fine. But now, my only thing is, is that if you've seen the end of the film, you know kind of what that, you know, what that that film had a very specific theme that I think fits to what they're trying to do with this TV series. And if they continue on that route, then it's right. very obvious in what the, what the next, what the next plan is. It's basically like the next generation, like just how, yes. however they can continue it. And everything will be in like honor of the memory of the originals. Like, sure. So like, I get yeah. it. If you're diehard and you're urgent for more, but like, personal opinion i've loved the scream franchise i love all the movies they did a scream tv series and like steve will tell you we watched for like a season he lasted longer than i did but i could i mm -hmm. just couldn't do it anymore i just couldn't do it anymore yeah. it was just it became too much i was like this is this is not the same thing like i can't right like, this is uh this is i just can't i cannot with this this is like sometimes it just some certain things don't work in TV format that really work in movie format or vice versa. Certain things need their mediums. Like, yeah, I don't really see a lot of tension building in a TV series. What I see is like a lot of like wasted time trying to figure out who the killer is, or we're gonna spend time learning the inner workings of how to become the next Michael Myers, or I don't know, like whatever. There's a couple. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of different themes and routes they can go down. But it just to me, it just seems like it's too much. Like, why not come up with a series that's inspired by Michael Myers, not continue Michael Myers? Like, not everything needs to be franchised. Like, what happened to using things as inspiration for other things? Isn't that how creativity yeah, works? Did... <laughs> <laughs> Don't we just steal things and call them something else? That isn't that how that works? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's funny because like this they said this was after a heated bidding war. So obviously I think Blumhouse was within that bidding war to secure the TV rights, because right, wrong, or otherwise, I guess that Halloween trilogy was successful. Yeah. Well, that's what that they, was they our we were in that weird COVID time and they were yeah. um they were releasing it. Didn't they release it on both? If I remember correctly. Yeah, they did. Uh, well, the the first Halloween movie was in 2018, so that was just in theaters, which is great. Um, but then, yeah, which was great, and th which I love. I really like that movie. Yeah. I thought Halloween was great. Uh, but then Halloween Kills and Ends was during the COVID times. They released both of them in theaters and on Peacock, doing the same thing with Five Nights at Freddy's, and um, and so yeah, it's that those two were big disappointments. We reviewed uh, Kills and Ends on previous episodes, and we can tell you that it was not great. Not great and. Not great, and so it's it's just it's it's just interesting that you know maybe David Gordon Green, who's coming off of The Exorcist, believer right now, and that that movie is not hitting. Not doing great either. <laughs> not doing great either. No, it's not. So maybe maybe it was just a direction. Maybe the director is just not you know getting the vision right. But even though it was making money because people enjoy the the Michael Myers franchise, um, the Halloween franchise, I. I I, but I agree with you. I don't see any reason why this needs to be a TV show. I think Halloween franchise fits well within its medium. 
I I can't watch 30 minutes of slow walking to maybe kill a person every week. Yeah. That's not something that I feel like I want to do. I can do that within a two hour, 90 minute time frame, but not a like a, a six, eight, 10 episode arc here. And like to your point, the way the franchise was going, it does seem like they're setting up for a new generation. So like two questions are, is this a reboot? And this is Michael Myers again, or are we going off of the films since they, since these two production companies were part of the, uh, the new trilogy. So are we just branching off of that and inspiring a new generation that could be taking stuff from Michael Myers or like, I doubt we're going to bring back, um, you know, anybody from the films. I'll be surprised if they do. So yeah, it just, it just seems like, uh, this is a cash grab, you know, we're just going to continue to kind of squeeze this IP for what it's worth. Um, I don't see any point into it. Like, you get at least at the very least, give it time. Yes, like, you just have to give it a give it a beat like, before we start trying this. Like, thing. what are, what are you going to give us? Like, the I either see a continuation or like Michael Myers early days. But then, what is yeah, that? Like but heart, but yeah. that what's that? Halloween two? Like, we've already seen all that. <laughs> we've seen all that. Yeah, what we, do yeah, we need? We, we, we don't even see it anymore. Yeah, and also this is like uh, I think it's Paramount who's doing this. I could be wrong, but there is like a Friday the Thirteenth. TV series, I think it's called Crystal Lake, where some where the movies take place. I think they're doing like a prequel to how like Jason came about, and it's like okay, sure. I don't I don't need that. But it's but, it's that capitalization of the telling of how the villain became the villain. Like like sure. I mean, as we we've talked about it a couple, we we've know, talked, we know that we, we they talked about this. We know. exactly you know we've done we've seen yeah. it with Cruella, we've seen it with Maleficent, yeah. we've seen it with um, Wicked, like like every they they realize that there's some capitalization of telling that people want to see how villains became villains. So sure. I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, yeah, I mean, this is something worth seeing. Or either way, I just probably won't watch it. I, I haven't even watched I'd the Chucky. I like I haven't watched a Chucky show, but I've heard the Chucky. The I one, heard that was yeah, good. I heard that yeah. was good. So you know what? I'd be interested to watch the Chucky series, so I could see what a successful horror TV series looks like. Well, I guess yeah, apparently that's doing. Well, I mean, we get we got apparently it's doing we got well, American yeah. Horror Story, but I'm talking. I guess as far as I'm talking about like these, like Chucky. Freddy, Jason, yeah. uh, Michael Myers, like as far as that collective group of of horror uh, slasher killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, I yeah, I, I guess Chucky's doing pretty well for himself after a string of like decent movies. Um, and um, yeah, some sometimes it can work. I'm not saying it can't. I mean, they done it with Scream, like you said before. Didn't didn't work out. Not didn't did, did not, not work, work out. Um, they're trying it with Friday the Thirteenth. I'm waiting for the day that we're going to be talking about a Nightmare on Elm Street TV series or reboot oh, coming sure. soon. It's I feel like it's 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 it's, it's due now. Uh, the Exorcist is trying to. I think The Exorcist also had a TV series, if I'm not mistaken, at one point or another. Um, but yeah, now they're trying to do their own set of trilogies. Like, event, you know, the horror genre, we're going to get those repeats for those classics. But at least, like for example, like with Megan, we got something new and fresh earlier this year. Um, that really worked and could present its own icon. Um, we're seeing it with Five Nights at Freddy's to see what they can do with that popular franchise. If you want to think of The Last of Us as a horror, uh, like in that genre, spookiness, um, creepy creatures, like that's doing successful. So like, I feel like we're getting it, but you know, like the horror genre is very good at giving us the classics as well as something new. So 
if that's if that's the route that we're going with, then so be it. So yeah, it's just something that we're probably not gonna watch unless there's a good reason exactly. too. But yeah, doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, after, being honest, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, after a lengthy news part, we skipped news last week, so we got a lot to cover. Uh, that is all the news we have for you guys this week. As always, you can find all the latest and breaking news on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers and our Facebook and Threads page at box office bingers. We post some of the news over there first, and then we come back in the show and we'll talk about it. Um, and that's what we do pretty much almost every week. But with that, we're going to move over to a fun segment we like to call What You're Watching. So, Ernesto, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? So, I haven't been watching much. Okay. Um, I did start Jack Ryan. So oh, nice. John Krasinski. Um, it's really good. And ironically, episode three, it was um, it features a drone pilot, and the drone pilot is actually Arthur from Past Lives. Oh, oh, uh, he, nice. It's the same actor. He plays the husband. I go, oh, I, I just you. saw you on, I just, I just saw you on a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, that it's really good. Like mm-hmm. it's, but it's your, it's your run of the mill, like you know, spy thriller trying to catch the bad guy and the terrorist and what we got to do to figure it out. But as far as like, it's, it's like a procedural like that. I'm, I'm here for it. It's based off Tom Clancy's novels. Um, I also started watching uh, white house plumbers with uh, Woody Harrelson. Mm, mm-hmm. and, um, I, gotta, I can't remember the other guy's name. Yeah. I've, I've seen the, I've seen the poster for it. Justin. Uh, it's a satirical drama about the Watergate scandal. It's set in the 1970s. It features. Uh, oh my gosh, I just lost it. Um, but it's about these two guys who run like they were. They called them the plumbers, mm-hmm. and what they did is they cleaned up shit for the Nixon administration. But they did a lot of. They did like a lot of dumb shit. Apparently, like, uh, Justin Thoreau is his Justin name. Thoreau is his name. He yeah. was in. Um, he was in the the leftovers. On HBO. Oh, That's nice, nice, from. nice. Yeah, he's a fan, fantastic actor, and it was actually kind of interesting to see him in something, it's like satirically comical like this. It it's pretty funny. I just started. I'm only a couple episodes in, but um, it's pretty it's pretty good so far. Yeah, and then, I I remember like going back to Jack Ryan. I watched the first season. I remember really enjoying it. I just never went back to it. Like with with the plethora of things we have to watch. Like I just remembered like that was a good that was a good season television. I can't wait to watch the next one. And now it's over four seasons in. So <laughs> yeah, they're four seasons in right now. Yeah. Um, it's it's really good. It's over. Like though. my wife. Yeah, it's done. It's yeah. completely done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my wife is waiting for me to watch the last two seasons because she she's like, "Did you want to watch this?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "All right, I'll wait." <laughs> and then that was like that was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I, so I just told her recently. I was like, "Hey, I just started Jack Ryan." So <laughs> great. Hurry up! <laughs> oh, great! Thanks for joining us here in yes. here in society. Took you a while, um, but all right, I'll continue waiting. Don't you worry. Um, so something I'm reading, and then I've also just started watching. I'm re- I just almost done reading the Batman storyline. Hush! It's mm-hmm. also an animated movie on Max. And let me tell you, this is this is. I mean, it's already world renowned as a famous Batman story, but it is like rereading it. It is probably one of the best batman stories there is out oh there. wow like it's it's definitely up there it's just very intriguing there's a lot of you see a lot of dynamics explored 
um, with relationships, you know, specifically between Batman and Catwoman and uh, Batman and Commissioner Gordon, uh, more so in the comics, just because they they explore more. The animated, because the animated movies that are on Max, they're a part of like this like animated universe that they kind of built. They built mm-hmm. like a DC, like a DCEU animated one. It um, David was trying to tell me it it either starts or ends with Justice League War. But it's it, it and it strings into like a bunch of different movies that, um, and they pick off like different important storylines. One of those is like they show the Flashpoint paradox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Under Under the Red Hood is one of them, which is a fantastic animated film, and Hush is also one of them as well. So like in the comic books, he hadn't even met Damian Wayne, and like Damian oh, okay. Wayne is in the movie, and like Damian Wayne is already like in the movie, and like certain characters. Like one of the villains that he fights is different in the book than it is in the movie, but it's still equally as good. But I would highly recommend to read the physical storyline because it's just it gives you a much more deep and intricate story of what of what um, Jeff Loeb, the writer of Hush, was trying to was trying to get across. Plus, you get to look at Jim Lee's art. He's mm-hmm. like one of the greatest comic book artists who's ever walked the face of the earth. Um, just really, really well done. I, I always um, felt that the those DC animated movies were always a good complement to the like comic books that it was originated from. So, like, I can, absolutely, I can understand how like because over the years they just became more and more popular of just like adapting great comic book stories within the DC universe and then putting them into an animated form. So you're almost basically getting like if you for whatever reason didn't want to read the comic book, you can get an animated movie about it, and it would just be really close to the source material. You know, as much as DC has struggled recently with their live action films, their animated films are on point. They're yeah. just so I just I don't know what it is about them. The animation is beautiful, the voice acting is usually really great, and then the storytelling itself is just really good. Yeah. It's just not cheesy, it's not kiddish. Like it just really it really finds a way to kind of walk that line. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you're a young adult, you'll really enjoy it where and it also as an as an adult yourself you can still find enjoyment in this in this animation. Right. So mad props to DC animation. Like obviously I can't see what they do. I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the future moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um and then finally, I don't know if you did I Matt, I asked you to watch an episode yeah. of Black Mirror. Uh, I'm assuming you did not get a chance to get to I it. I did not. I'm sorry, unfortunately. Yeah, it's okay. It it was pretty wild. It's the episode with uh um aaron paul and josh harnett it's season six episode three probably one of the craziest episodes of black mirror i've ever seen wow so i'm just gonna lay out like the basic premise so Mm -hmm. there's these two astronauts um who are who are up in a space station and they the world has the technology now where they can send their consciousness down to earth into this robot so they basically can send them they go to bed in space and they can wake up in earth and they are in this they're in this conscious robot so but the world is kind of split on how they view them like some people are okay with them some people you view them as abominations and each of these men live very different lives and it is crazy and very black mirror it has a very black mirror ending yeah like very dark very very dark ending but it, it what a crazy story and then the it's just great because they they give you this this story that's relied on this technology but at the same time still were able to give you this very human story 
about these two different families. Interesting. And I, it's something that I really, just really, really enjoyed. I think they explore explore a lot of great themes in this episode. Um, it, but it's like a movie. It, the episode itself is like an hour and 20 minutes long. Yeah. So I'm going to leave it there because I don't want to give anything away. Like, Fair. So if, if and when you want to start watching Black Mirror again, like watch this episode so that we can talk about it. You don't like I want to. I don't want to give anything away because yeah. like the I feel like the less you know the better. Sure. And those who have seen the show know exactly what I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. there are some character moments that are just wild. That are just that that are just crazy. Like like ah like I want to talk to you about it, but there's yeah. just I, it's better. It's it's one of those the less you know the better. Right, right, and th- and that's always tricky, right? Because like you don't want like you're so excited about it, but you just can't. You don't want anyone else. You don't want to spoil it for other people. Um, but yeah, I I again for some reason I've been sleeping on Black Mirror and like during the pandemic I was watching a few of them, but just never. And those those episodes were good too. Like I said, uh, there's a few that I really liked in the earlier on. Some of them were all right, but then some of them really stood out. And what's great is that you can just kind of pick and choose if you really wanted to, like exactly of of all that. But yeah, um, I will I will get to it and we will have the conversation. I promise you. I'm, you know I'm gonna hold you to that. I know you are. Yes. And like a month I'm gonna check in. That's fair. And then like on the on the flip side, like the next episode, like after coming off that episode, they give you this episode that's. Like almost not Black Mirror. Like almost mm. there was no Black Mirror like technology type thing that I was able to draw. Like as far as like technology going wrong, mm-hmm. it was it was more on. It, it had to do with so this one was featuring Zazie Beats, and um, it had more to do with where she played a paparazzi and like papa like kind of paparazzi culture and like. Mm kind of exploring a story through that. Yeah. But to me, it was like more supernatural than it was Black Mirror. Yeah. And now maybe if they had explained some of the technology, then maybe we I could have bought into like, oh, it's sure. because of this thing, this technology that's going to ride. But they didn't do that. So they left it open. So you're just assumed that it's like this supernatural thing that caused this thing to happen. Right. And all right. this crazy and then all this crazy shit happens. But it does give you like this weird reality into just the culture of being a paparazzi and like what those people like what what their mindset and what their life could could be like based off the writing of this episode. So, um so I think it's I thought to, it was good. I think it's safe to say that you're enjoying this season. Oh absolutely. Yeah. I think they're 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 inviting some some deep thought from their episodes, especially with even the first two episodes are wild. I kind of mentioned it the first first one. I felt like I, I did you a disservice because I shouldn't have said anything. Mm. I shouldn't have told you about it at all. But I was just too excited. So I'm trying to this time I'm gonna hold my excitement back. Okay. Until you eventually decide you're gonna watch this thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. I Fair appreciate enough. it. But it so I've got we've actually only got one more episode left. Okay. So there's only five episodes in season six. Oh okay. but you know when certain episodes are an hour and 20 minutes long, I guess. Right. Yeah. You got to take what you get. <laughs> um, but I uh, think other than that, um, that's all I got. Okay. Um, I've been uh, chewing away at some other uh, horror movies. Um, I saw the new one on Hulu, No One Will Save You. It's It stars – oh, man, I forgot her name already. It stars um, – uh, No One Will Save You. No One – no one will save. It stars uh, Caitlin uh, Dever, 
who you might have seen her in Unbelievable and Booksmart. And she... I'm a little bit confused about her character, to be honest with you. But the biggest takeaway about this movie is that... And you can tell just from the cover of it, which, Ernesto, I can show you here. I think it's safe to, to say that it looks like... Well, what can you can take, take from that cover? Alien abduction. There you go. All right? So the cover tells you that. Right? And then the the whole movie, not a word of dialogue is spoken. What? <laughs> and I feel like that was, the, like that was the biggest takeaway from We're not movie. even like that because they, it, they do talk in that movie. Um, but yeah. yeah. The, for, some, for some reason, and I don't know why, but they chose not to have any dialogue in this movie. Um, so... That's all I'm gonna say about it. Like, I, it was the movie was good. It wasn't great, but I just found that it was interesting that this was technically uh, it's like a sci-fi thriller, a little bit of horror, and they were just doing all of these things under the impression of like they were doing it, everything with actions, not with dialogue. So you had to kind of really pay attention to what they were doing and trying to deduce your own perception of what's going on in the movie in the midst of this alien abduction atmosphere so it was interesting to say the least um i also saw friday the 13th part three mm -hmm. i talked to you that i saw the, the the original friday the 13th and after research i was told and i think everyone because like friday the 13th i was interested but like i'm not watching all of these no way <laughs> am i watching all of these so like which ones are the ones to consider and the in the world and the internet told me that you at least watch three because that's when he gets the mask so I, I watched a recap on two, and then I watched three. And it was actually better than the original, in my opinion. I like, I like Friday. I mean, it was still stupid. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. It was, <laughs> it was still a little silly. Um, but uh, part three, he, he does get the iconic mask, and the kills are just way mm. better. Like, it, the movie is still slow, and it's a little bit pointless at this point, but the, the kills are better. I was like, all right, all right, Jason, you give me something. Something to look forward to a little bit. You give me, give me something here. Um, so, like, there's that. Um, I also saw Child's Play 2. I told you that I really enjoyed the first one. I feel equally the same about the second one. I think what they do with Chucky, especially in the early, uh, the late 80s, early 90s, it's really good yeah. work. Like, as far as, like, the animatronic that they're able to use. And, like, it's really, especially in the second one, I think he looks better in the second one he did the first one. And they're just, it, it's... The, that, that series is really doing it for me. I really like it. The like it's that campy horror-ish comedy, but like leaning more into the horror than less of the comedy, but it still works. And like, like I, I like I like what they're doing so far. I'm I'm having a good time with this franchise. Um. So yeah. So having a good time with that. And then there were two, uh, two other things. One, uh, Megan and I watched all episodes of Jury Duty. Have you heard about Jury uh, Duty? David's been telling me about it. With uh, James Marsden? Yes. It is hilarious. Uh, Arnett, uh, Estevan had uh, shown me it when I went to go visit him. I saw the first episode. Uh, then when I came back home, I said, I told Megan, I think you would like this. And the whole premise of Jury Duty, it's, it's a mix of scripted and reality television where there's this, basically you're following this group of, of jurors in this case. But what they tell you up front is that the case is 100% fake. The Everyone in this is actors except for one person. So, so, so one person thinks it's real 
and everything else is just fake with actors. And I think it's just a great showcase of these actors trying to go along with the the situation based on this one guy's reaction that believes that this case is 100% real. And then there's just like all this crazy stuff that's happening that he's just buying into. Like he's like, okay, this is strange, but here we are. And it honestly, it doesn't work if you don't have the right person to be the guy who's not in the know. And in a hundred percent, like, because at any point of this, he could have figured it out. And then the whole thing is gone. Yeah. Aren't you James right? Marsden? It doesn't work. <laughs> right. Well, no, but he knows like James Martin Marsden is playing himself mm. in, in, in this, in this, uh, this courtroom. So like, he's just a celebrity in here, but James Marsden is playing like a ridiculously like big asshole version of himself. And it's quite funny when you see him it's like kind of overacting and like being obnoxious and like he's like oh i'm a celebrity type of deal and it really works for it um but it's like it's 30 minutes long it's on so amazon owns freebie Mm -hmm. which is a free service so like unfortunately i couldn't bypass the commercials even though i have amazon prime um but i think for for especially for you ernesto i think it's worth the the journey of these eight episodes yeah? and okay. i think i think hannah i think i think hannah will like it too it's like it's an easy watch and you just the first episode like it just takes a minute to get everybody established but once you get to know these people and you're in on the joke as much as they are then you start being like oh my god how does he not know this and and um but yeah so it's it's a fun time meg and i enjoyed watching it um and the last thing i watched yeah. went back to theater okay oh um yeah, I, th- I think you know what it is. Um, and I teased it on our social media page on Instagram that uh, I had the privilege to be among the Swifties. <laughs> and I watched the Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. And Ernesto, as as you know, Meg and I had been in a relationship for a very long time. And uh, I, this this was my time to kind uh, of to kind of suck it up. It's your turn, Matthew. For every Marvel movie, for every movie she did not want to sit through as much as we watch movies in the theater, and I kind of dragged her to, this is this is the moment. This is the moment where, like, we're watching this together, and you're going to like it. And I was like, I really don't have any – I can't say anything about that because I've seen you watch a whole bunch of stuff if you didn't want to watch before. Correct. Uh, and it was like it, – I think it was like three hours long. It was a three-hour concert. Um and uh, I, I'm gonna do a little show and tell. We got some merch, Ernesto. I think you'd oh. be uh, happy to see. Yeah, we got we got plenty of merch. I first like to show you the Taylor Swift Eras Tours uh, popcorn bucket that we that we have on display. It was it was a good deal. It was a uh, 1989, which I don't know if it's an album uh, that Taylor yes. Swift has as well as the year she was born. So the the combo that comes with this popcorn bucket, which I was told was not the best popcorn bucket, but it is one that Regal had. And um, AMC had the better merch because AMC was the official distributor of this concert because Universal stupid. And I'll get to that in a little bit of a second, but we're doing some <laughs> show and tell right now. Uh, the Taylor Swift Eras Tour Cup, which is pretty big. Now, to you, I had two ICs in it. They offered three refills. And with the three-hour concert, damn right, I got some refills on it. So uh, definitely got some two worths of ICs in here. Also, uh, we got this, um, this little baton. That if you can use during your concert, if you so choose to, and guess what? It lights up. So oh. we're all part of the, out of the out of the team here. I'm gonna put this back in here. Oh, it's still lighting up. There we go. So we got that. Um, we were also 
this was at AMC. Megan specifically went to the AMC to get that. Well, the the lineup thing came in this tote. She really wanted this tote. So we got the official. Let me go back close to the mic. We got the official uh, Eras Tour. Look at that uh, tote bag that offered all of the concert dates that that we did not go to. Um, <laughs> you did. You went to it in theaters. We went to it in theaters, and we have all of the all the dates that was lined up, and all the. Uh, the albums in which she sung, all the songs from various albums in which she featured in her tour. Um, so yeah, that was at AMC. Thank you for that and the long line that uh, that had there. I did not wear the <laughs> long line, but Megan did get her stuff, so good for her. Um, Megan also, even though she did not trade with anybody, we also have the bracelets available that uh, Megan had ve- featuring very different uh, words on it. This one says Karma. This one said Midnight on it. Eras Tour. Yeah, she she did spend a lot. So she she was a little bit upset that she didn't trade with anybody, but you know what? So be it. This that's a thing. If you didn't know, that's friendship bracelets that people were passing around the tour. And uh, uh, also, if you bought a ticket, you were also complimented with a free mini poster. Damn, look, T, look T- Swift. That. I mean, if anything, <laughs> she's giving look. She, she's that. Come see my movie. She's like, here, here's a bunch of shit. Like, <laughs> here's a bunch of shit. Here's a bunch of shit. We walked out of there as if I just went to the concert. And let me say this, Ernesto. Let me say this. Right. Okay. I walked out of there, not for nothing. So for, well, hold on, before I say that, if you go look online and you see the the parties that were happening in these in these showings was ridiculous. I am happy to report my theater was not like that. Thank God, because <laughs> because I was I was ava- we were off. I was off Friday night that we could have seen it Friday night. And I said, Megan, I am not watching this movie on a Friday night. Not I am not doing that. I will watch this movie with you, but it's not on a Friday night. I am not going to be sitting there. With a whole bunch of T Swift fans just going crazy. I, I'm more than happy to watch this concert on the big screen, but I do not want to be like in a, in a, I don't want to be in the pit. That's that, I don't want you to should have you should have did it for the podcast. I know. I should have did it for the for the podcast. I did not. I didn't we did not do that. We went to a Saturday morning at eleven AM and there were twenty other people in that theater and we all behaved and sang in our seats and did little dance moves if you so choose to. Uh, but Megan and I had the whole road to ourselves, so that was nice. Um, everyone was respectful in our theater, which I very much appreciated. Well, people weren't singing um, along. Was the theater was were, it? Were the theater I, getting loud? Like people singing along? None of that. Uh, not not the theater wasn't loud. People, I heard a few voices down there like singing along, but they it wasn't rowdy. It's like leave it to like, Taylor. Hush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is her tour. <laughs> This isn't person sitting on the second row tour. No, it's Taylor's. It's Taylor's era. It's not your era. It's our Taylor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I will say this, right? After sitting there for three hours, I, I did come out of it enjoying it as more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Um, but I also, I took of it, I walked out of there with a different perspective. Now, by no way am I a T-Swift fan. Mm, I don't know. If, <laughs> I've got all the merch to, to Yeah, it, exactly. Um, right? uh, but I, I will say I walked out of this with a different perspective of what this concert meant to people mm-hmm. who enjoy Taylor Swift. And I compared it to two different things that I think – and we've talked about this on our, show, on our show a lot. And I think it could be something that people who don't understand, maybe this can further maybe getting an, an explanation of what this meant to fans of Taylor Swift and her tour and her music. First things first, it's very similar to people who loved Hamilton. Ah. At the time, ha- Hamilton was one of the biggest Broadway shows of all time, right? And 
the only way you could watch it was if you went to New York and you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars getting yourself into that theater to see the first run cast and to see it just live in person. All summer, I've been trying to see Megan. Megan has been trying to get tickets to the show and all the people who were like all the crowds that had formed and people were literally outside of the stadium in the parking lot in the adjacent area of where the concert was and just having their own party because they couldn't get inside that theater in that stadium. So for anybody who did could not get themselves into to see the concert live for $20, you can go to the theater and have that experience the same way that Hamilton was available on Disney plus. You can have that up close experience that you are never going to get. Even if you were in that stadium, mm. like you get, you get the polished, highly produced version of this concert where you're not missing a moment of the best stuff within that concert. And the same thing with Hamilton. You got an up-close, highly-produced version of that show that you were never going to get if you saw it live. And you get different – you get definitely get a different uh, appreciation for Hamilton if you saw it live, like any other uh, stage performance and any other concert that you might go to. But when you see, like, this highly-produced version and you still feel the same way as if you went to that concert, hey, at least you got to see it. At least you were part of something that you might not have been privy to. So there's that aspect of it. The other aspect of it, which I did not realize, and obviously it makes sense given the title, The Eros Tour, this concert spanned 17 years of her career. So she literally went through all of the greatest hits from the various albums that she has put out within the last 17 years. So if you were, if you are a huge Taylor Swift fan and you just want the greatest hits and the highlights of her career, that's what this concert was. And she played like like some some albums she only played one song, other albums she played like four or five, and you just got the greatest hits. And like there were some like they had their down moments, but the other moments like I was there, like yeah, I like this song too. Like I'm not I was never I was never not a Taylor Swift. I mean I guess I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but I do like some of her songs, yeah, and they are catchy. upbeat and they're catchy. Yeah, they're catchy until the radio so, like, plays yeah. it out and you don't want to listen to it anymore. <laughs> exactly, that, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I. I really enjoyed Megan enjoying mm. herself because she was really into it. And also because we had the whole road to ourselves, didn't feel like we were not able to talk through it a little bit. And we were also nerding out about the production value. She put on one hell of a performance. Yeah. That's what I hear. It's not just her up there singing. It's like an actual stage. It's like a stage it, show. It's, it's the, the crazy stuff that goes on that stage is wild to me. Like she, she put on a show and it's, I heard that her concerts were lasting three and a half to four hours. We got a three-hour version of a highly produced concert. So with all of that, right, and she's also breaking box office records. I believe she was very close of – yeah, there you go. She was very close to becoming the highest grossing movie of October. I think that title still stands with Joker, mm. but it's very close. I mean you see it right there. $96 million domestically, $32 million internationally, $128 million worldwide. You can't deny her popularity. That All that money was with little marketing, and she only announced that this was coming out six weeks ago. How crazy there is are that? Movies, there were movies that had been announced years ago and cannot produce that type of money. Look at The so, Exorcist. Literally, they were on her release date. So it's not yeah. for lack of being people being available during Friday the 13th to go see a movie. 
It's just that this was the thing that was going to bring people out. And it, it obvi- yeah. obviously, the number, I mean, numbers don't lie. Just this opening right. weekend, 128 million worldwide. I mean, even that's a pretty good number for international. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if you look at the domestic distributor, you see AMC theaters. I was going to mention that a little bit. Taylor, from what I read, Taylor Swift first reached out to Universal saying, hey, I have this final product of a movie. This is my tour. And I want to put it out there. And I want, you know, I'm going to you guys to see what you can do for me for distributing it. And Universal came back with terms that she thought was not good for her, for her. Like they wanted a big cut out of it, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know what? I'm just going to go right to the source. The source. AMC ended up giving her a great deal where she's probably coming out with it, making More. a good percentage of, the, of those dollars. And guess what? All 96 million of that also went, not all of it, but like that also went to AMC. So like, so like AMC gets a big check out of it. A lot of people went to the theaters that weekend in, in a market where it didn't seem like a lot of people were going to go to the theaters this October. So it was a huge win for movie theaters. It was a huge win for Taylor Swift fans. It was a, a, a win that obviously spanning into more of these, uh, shortly after Taylor Swift announced hers, Beyonce said that her tour is going to be on, um, her tour is going to be available into theaters. I just want to get the, the name of it real quick. I believe it's called Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah, it's a Renaissance. Yeah, tour. Renaissance. Uh, let's see. Uh, self. I just want to make sure I got all the, the right information here. Yeah. So Renaissance, a film by Beyonce. She's also producing. The, it's the same thing, a highly produced version of her concert. And it's going to be available in December 1st in theaters for you to watch in about two and a half hours. And uh, yeah, at this point, why the hell not? Yep. A more of a reason for people to come out to the theaters. It doesn't have to be a movie, but right. you can let's keep alive the movie theater experience. And you know what? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. A concert movie is a great way to show that. Instead of maybe showing yeah. like a movie about the concert, show a con- show an actual like a live concert that's produced yeah. the way she produced it. I, I'm I'm yeah. here for it. I'm here for anything to keep the movie theaters alive, I'm here for. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and so with that walking out of it, I got a lot of out of it that I didn't expect I was going to. And I explained all of it. But I think the biggest thing was Megan had a great time in that seat. And I like going to the theaters. So that was like, like that was something that we were able to do together under the medium that she she preferred watching. It wasn't like it wasn't it, it, it was a moment where most of the time she's in the theater for me. But this time I was in theater for her and she was having a good time. And then she compared it to, she's like, is this how you feel when you come out of the theater? And I said, not all the time. There's a lot of times where I'm like, I just watch a piece of shit. <laughs> there, there are, there, but yes, the, the, uh, the goal of going to the theater is walking out of there, feel like you just experienced something. Yes. And you felt something about it. And yes, that's, that's the love I have for going to the theater. And I'm very happy that she was able to get that from that experience good so that's great i have nothing i have nothing bad to say about this tour and it's probably going to continue to stay at number one maybe up until the marvels like taylor swift is going to be owning that box office game for the next three weeks easy oh 100 percent, without a doubt um without a doubt but with that the movie theater experience go do it people it's a fun time for sure especially if taylor swift is telling you to go do it why not <laughs> go do it um, and also, it's crazy that that similar demographic had two of these this year with Taylor Swift and with Barbie. So I don't know. Maybe market your movie differently. Get that crowd back into the theater because they come in droves. So just saying. Uh, 
But anyway, with that, we're going to be moving along from our what you want and watch you watch in segment and into our spoiler review of the week, which is past lives. A little bit of this, of, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of a disclaimer. At the end of last week's episode, we said this was going to be our foreign film of the month, and after further reviewing this film and also kind of being a little bit negligent on on our part about it, a little bit maybe naive, this movie is not a foreign film. This movie is is made by A24, distributed by A24. It's an American film, but the thing that confused us until further research is that this movie is, I would say, 80% spoken in Korean. Correct. So you are you are reading, like you are you know watching subtitles. This this the majority of this movie is in Korean with a little bit of in, as with English dialogue. So it, it was easy for me to for us to get confused about like thinking this was going to be a foreign film but little behold it is not it's an american film so we can't really call it our foreign film of the month but as far as the oscars are concerned it is a high contender to be nominated for best picture among other awards and so ernesto i guess that's the main conversation we're gonna have about is this movie and your thoughts worth in the oscar conversation oh i i would have to say absolutely like i it it was. Uh, I was surprised at how much I actually liked this movie because you know it's mm-hmm. it's a romance and you know those are those are, are truly hit or miss for me. But I think it offered. Yeah. I, I think the movie had a lot more to offer than just the romance. I mean, it's, yeah. it's beautifully crafted. It makes you think about love and loss and like what these choices in our lives do. Where we get High Young and Nora, where they meet at different points in their lives and where they're at in their lives it's like they're not able to connect the way that they would like to connect you know when they're young Nora's going to move to she's moving and then when they reconnect 12 years later from him trying to find her a couple of months prior and her talking to her mom and thinking of him and and looking him up so then he went from this boy in this village to then 12 years later now he's this face on a screen they can't mm-hmm. they can't like they're inescapable like they're just so intertwined once they once they get connected that they had to cut themselves off because they were they were losing focus in their careers and worth in the things they wanted to achieve in their life and you know and letting that go you know they were able to reconnect at the end of the film together where he actually came to new york and he got to see her at this final stage in her life and it's kind of an exploration of like past love and you know something they talk about in the movie is inyan and talking about people's connections with each other um i i, I liked it i i mean I, I thought it was interesting to see like how their relationship evolved but it also evolved with with them i mean they even talk about at the end of the film how even when they re-met when they're in their 20s when most people who are in their 20s consider themselves to be adults they recognize that they were still babies and that they mm-hmm. were still growing and learning and that they still had a lot to figure out in their lives. Um, but, I mean, general thoughts, like, I I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the writing was really good. I loved, I actually really enjoyed the way the score kind of complemented the film during certain aspects. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you? Yeah, yeah, I, to me, at, at first glance, it was a little bit of a slow burn mm-hmm. um, in the sense of, like, I was trying to figure out what this movie was trying. Like, is it, is it going to be further than more than a romance? Um, but I mean, it really, in a way, I, I feel like at the end of it, like most of like kind of like these movies have that, that they do, like 
maybe in the moment I wasn't under like maybe understanding and just trying to pick up the pieces, but by the end of it, it just lingered in my mind a little bit longer than most other movies. Mm-hmm. Like I was just trying to put together what the meanings were, what the themes were, what you were trying to tell the audience. And it was actually challenging trying to a lot of things. So like by the end of the day, like I did enjoy what I got something out of it. And I, so I did enjoy some aspects about the film, even though I did feel like it was slow, but it was something that had to build. You had to, you had to see their connection throughout the multiple years to then see where we kind of end up by the end of it. And I, I know it's it's kind of hard to even say that this is a romance because they were never together. But like they, but they, they were just, though. They had this, they had they they, they did were, have a relationship. They had a yeah, they, there was a deep connection. Yeah. There was definitely a deep connection within them, and I think the film explores that through this concept that they kept bringing up of Inyan, this like Buddhist belief that yeah. people who are designed together will eventually find each other regardless of the obstacles in their way. Um, it, it's it they you really showcase that i mean have you ever been around somebody even before you meet them and like right you like you have a sense like hey like like you ever feel like you meet somebody like don't i know you from somewhere and then like whether yeah. whether you've seen them somewhere before or not like there are these times where you see people in your life where you 100 percent don't know them but you have a sense that you there's like an energy about them that you connect with that's like the best way right. that i can describe that and I think it's an exploration of that, but obviously on an elevated manner, like maybe like a best friend who you happen to also have feelings for throughout through certain points right. in your life. And it just never really quite worked out. So then, but you guys maintained friends, but there was always this thing in the background that you, both of you wanted to explore or just to see right. where it went and just to see what that could man, what that could manifest into. But what was what I liked about it is that they showcase that, but I think a lot of times in certain people's lives is when they recognize that, they think it's a for sure thing, and then they latch onto it, and then they force it, and then that becomes like a bad thing. Whereas this, yeah. they what I liked is that they each at that when they got to that point, they each recognize, oh, this is this is we we're not at this point. We need to back away, and if we're meant to be, then we'll come back to each other. Like it, it just, I liked right. how they were both understanding of that, for the most part. Yeah, and it, for the most part, and it, and I <laughs> honestly one of the big key more the key moments in this movie for me, because and I think I'm glad that they brought it up, and I wasn't expecting it, but I definitely was thinking it was when her Nora and her husband were were like laying in bed, and he, he was, was like, I'm I'm the villain of of this story. Oh, I'm like yeah. I'm in the way of their love story, and like any other movie, would have could have done that in a way like oh he's like oh yeah it's like here's this white guy who literally did nothing is in the way of this like this 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 relationship of someone that is in your childhood like and you it's almost like a like a lost love in a way like yes there was always a connection there but we never really did anything with it but now he's coming to see me and it's going to reignite feelings and maybe i'm making the wrong decisions and like luckily it wasn't any of that it was like, but it also, it but it kind of was that, but it also was that like there, I like yeah. for me, there was always that tension there between them. Yes. Right. Yes, there was. The tension was especially, always there. Especially toward the end of the movie where they are solely speaking Korean to each other. And he was just awkwardly sitting in the bar while they are literally like, he's professing his, like what could have been. Yes. And then like, he's just chilling. And I was like, damn, first of all, this guy has the balls to have this conversation 
right in front of her husband. Incredibly inappropriate. Um, <laughs> incredibly inappropriate. But he, but he knows he can safely have this conversation because he can understand him, and like he can pick up maybe a few words. But also deep in, deep into within the husband, he knew that they were having some sort of conversation. And then and later he even apologized to is like, hey, I'm sorry we spoke solely um, in Korean, but you know we're gonna stop doing that. And he was like. It's fine. It's okay. You guys haven't seen each other in a while. I understand it. He was being very polite about it. But I don't like, know if I'd have been that polite. <laughs> <laughs> He's I'm a like, better man than me. <laughs> like, like, and like, if you guys were out all afternoon, you couldn't have that conversation then. You got to do it like right now. I know, right? Um, seems extreme. This um, seems extremely personal. It seems like a conversation. Yeah. It's like, what would our life have been like if our inyun, if we were supposed to be together in this life? It's like, yeah. um, buddy, she's with me though. <laughs> like, it's like, hey, <laughs> hey, over here, over here. You you turned your back to me, but yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm married. You see this ring? We got married. <laughs> he, just, he just comes around the middle. Like, anyone more drinks? More drinks? Everybody? Yeah. yeah. Hey, honey. Hey. Whoa. Yeah. Fuck face. <laughs> I, I, I think to his credit, he was kind of just being really respectful in a way to what this was because he trusted his wife enough to be like, there's nothing like he's, she's, they even said it like, again, when they're in bed and they were like, like, it's not like you're just going to walk away and leave me with, with that. It's like, I think, I think he understood the situation and I think he respected, I'm assuming what the closure was by the end of the scene, mm. like the, the closure that they had by the end of it, it was like, at least we both acknowledged that there was something there, but it was just never at the right time. It was never at the right moment. And I, I like that even, again, taking away from it, that when they were after 12 years after uh, she left and they re were having this these conversations online and through, you know, through, yeah, through like um, video conversations. And they, she realized that there was a decision that needs to be made. She was kind of getting in her life and her eyes were like getting caught up in the past. And she didn't want to continue on that road anymore. She wanted to move forward. And instead of living in the past, she wanted to live and move forward with the life she already had here, which I think she was also noticing that he wasn't willing to commit yeah. to seeing each other like in person. And I think he was over. I think she was kind of like, well, if he doesn't want to come over there and I'm trying my best to go over to Korea, then what are we doing here? And it's a hard decision to make when you feel like there's like a real connection there. And what's really what's really interesting about that point is that they that's a point that was brought up very early in the film, like almost like it was half at our pretty much at our halfway point when what ended their reconnection the second time. And then once she was, but you, what was really beautiful about that is that once she was able to let that go, like immediately right. after she meets her husband, and then she falls in love yeah. with him, and you know he goes on, he never found love. Now, I mean, that, but then, right. like, I feel like they're trying to tell, and this is something, like, now that I'm talking it out loud, like, I felt like they were trying to tell us something about him. And now, I don't know if this pertains to Korean culture in general, and I, I think it does, because she, she makes it a part of her conversation with her husband to say, oh, he's just so Korean. He's just very Korean. Like, there's Korean Americans, yes. but he's, like, Korean Korean. Like, he still lives at home yes. with his parents, and he does this, and he does that. But, like, they just made him to seem very lonely. But but yet that he yes. knew exactly what he wanted out of life. He wanted her, but he needed, to, he needed the closure of seeing her. I think for her, her closure was that midway point. And then 
I think yes. later on was his closure point. Now that I'm thinking, now that I'm kind of talking it out loud, like it seems like her point at the middle of the film, that was her saying, okay, like this, I know that this is not something that I can pursue because this is going to interfere with this. Whereas he was like, as long as I get to New York, then, then maybe there's still a chance. And then once she found out she was married, right. then I think it became, well, I love her so much that I need to go see her in order to, I need to have this closure. So I need to go see her and I need to see where she is in her life. And I think that's what that scene at the end, that bar scene at the end was really trying to encapsulate. Like Mm -hmm. this is his closure. Like that's the reason why as awkward as it was for Arthur to be there, it was important for him to be there so that, because Arthur is a part of him like really coming to terms with his closure and then it really makes sense in the end when they're saying goodbye where it, it almost was like this lingered goodbye as like this was the true yeah. final goodbye of their life. Like after this is like this is it like it this will you will become a part of my past life like my right. like this is not this you know we're not going to see each other. We're pretty much never going to see each other like Matt what do you say when you say goodbye to people at work? Oh, <laughs> this is funny. It just this just reminded me of this. So when me and Matt yeah. used to work, when Matt used to work at Channel Two with me, when we certain we we had a friend who worked in our department who left. He goes, "Bye, I'll never see you again," <laughs> or something to that effect. Yeah, I did say that, and to this day, so never seen her. But again. but but <laughs> it's not for you feeling ill will towards that person. It's just that you no. recognize that you are both. Like that, that person is no longer going to be in your life path. That unless you physically Correct. seek each other out, that this is this is going to be the end. This is going to be the end for you. Right, right. And like you know, we yeah, we we, we worked, worked well together, and then you moved on to a different path, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Like it just like some 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 people. Well, well, you you have this phrase all the time. Some people stick around for a short time. Oh, not some people are some people are around for a season, and some people are around for a reason. Like some people oh, choose yeah. to stick around. I mean, look at you and me. Like we were friends. That's right. We were friends in school, and then we've stuck around together through all these years. Whereas people who we used to talk to then, like I don't even, I couldn't even tell you what they're doing. Like I could, I, I don't know. Yeah. And not that I feel ill. Yeah, or right. Same thing. I don't feel. I feel no ill will towards them. It's just that they're just not in my life path. Whereas Matt, you and right. me have Inyun. Because even after you left, <laughs> we are still connected with over eight thousand yeah. layers of Inyun. Maybe not, maybe yeah. not eight, because eight means you're married. So I guess maybe like six, yeah. six or six, five or yeah, six. Or, or six. <laughs> I, I know, but I, I obviously at this podcast, you know, because we started this. Well, well, we we started this when you started working. At, no, when, when I moved to the mornings, when I was working with you directly. And that's that, this podcast. Started... Let's let's even take yeah. it further back as to our show that yeah. we had at UCF. That was the that was the true beginning. That was like the preamble to yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and now again we're one ninety in. That says something. Yeah, that's something. We, we we at least at the very least, if no one's listening, we enjoy doing it, whether people are listening or not. So. And if anybody's counting, <laughs> and also if we have, yeah. if anything, we have hundred and ninety layers of Indian. That's so right. Every episode. Every episode adds another layer. <laughs> well, also, there's a few episodes that we didn't even include as episodes. So, like, or like maybe like 195. See? <laughs> that, see, that's true. And plus all, plus all our Beyond the Credits episodes. That's right. Like, we're we are connected for life, Matt. At this point, <laughs> and and for any reason, if we ever parted ways, like there are still probably a lot of episodes that that prove that we were connected in all, all these different ways as well. Yes, exactly, um, exactly. But yeah, but to your point, I also like the um, uh, like. 
I think the ending was like for me the true climax of the movie. That's when like all of the heart was poured into, and a lot yeah. of like a lot of great dialogue was was having in between them. And one one of the lines that they said that like it's not enough to satisfy your ambition. And he said that to her, knowing that like you're the person that leaves. You 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 left Korea like not under her choice, but her family left to to have a different life in America, and then she left what they had over over you know video calls i guess through skype um mm-hmm. uh 12 years before that and so like she knew what basically it kind of like what he was explaining like she knows what she wants and i was at one point part of it but then i wasn't like i understand mm-hmm. that i wasn't part of it and also he could have at any moment if he really if he really wanted to could have went to new york but also that was not part of his path we thought that he was leaving at one point to go to New York. And then it shows that he went to China to continue furthering along his schooling and his career. So he made a choice there that was best for him and not trying to appease going to New York and maybe starting a life with her. That was, mm-hmm. they, they both had that decision. Um, the other line that was there. Um, uh, oh yes. Yes. The, the, this was another big line. Uh, the person you remember doesn't, exist here but that little girl did exist she's not sitting here in front of you but she doesn't mean but it doesn't mean it, it she's not real and i think that's also a great line that the person that you're feeling for right now did not exist i mean sorry the person that you're feeling for right now was at one point real and whoever this was was real and i think that was really important to recognize that that like her telling him that your feelings are valid but just also recognizing that person that you're feeling for does not exist anymore. You're exactly in front yeah. of you. You are dealing with a new person, and mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's just a that's just strong dialogue. That is just not even strong writing. And it's not even and it's not even so much as a new person as where she's really signaling to grow just growth, growth in general. Yeah. Like how many of us still feel like a little kid? Like you're still like the little kid inside, or or you know you're not. You're not the person you 100% present yourself to be, but you make yourself out to be that person. Right. So you may not be that person, but that person still, there's still a part of that person that is a part of you because you wouldn't be who you are without having to be that person. Right. Like, I mean, that's part exactly. of the steps of life, you know? And and that and that past version of yourself, that, that, that person in the past did at one point was real and, you know, was going down the path. And that's just, I mean, that's just life in general. Like mm-hmm. and at this point, you kind of you could have even seen this movie and at, honestly, very similar to everything, everywhere, all at once to some degree where you have these different versions of yourself that could have been like strung off into being this or being that or being this. But like you, you played the what if game and that's what they ended up doing when they were kind of going back and forth is like we could have done this and we could have had children or we could have had this this different life with each other. But it just wasn't the life that we were meant to have. And also, mm. it's also signifying that that's that maybe the life that they could still have in the future. We don't know. That that something like that could happen. But at this moment and where the movie ended, it, it showed that they are now no longer going to be a part of their lives. Like, this is the closure that they needed, and specifically he needed it by the end, to show cases like, you're living a good life, and I'm happy for you. I just wanted to see... If there's anything still there, and in a way there is something still there, but just not what I wanted, you know, it's just not the same thing that that she wants. Um, yeah, or not what I thought it was. Right, it not, or not what I thought it is anymore. Yeah, 
and like and I think you made you made a good point of like feeling loneliness and I feel like his loneliness and his desire for something that was in the past and the many possibilities of what could have been that's what I felt like he his character embodied he was it was this lonely person that just didn't let go of the past 100% like there were moments obviously there were big gaps there were 12 years and 7 years but obviously between within the 7 years he really held on to that and I think also part of him was never letting go because he, he even had that conversation with her under the bridge, which was fun fact. Meg and I visited that that bridge. Um, we were also under that bridge. So literally I'm watching this movie and I was like, hey, we've been there. Hey, we did this. Hey, hey, hey. I also I also thought so. I thought it was I thought it was interesting um, that when they were having that scene, and they were talking in the background. There was a couple like making out and yeah, like, oh my God, like a I couple together down. in love. <laughs> I, I was like, know. I was like, how weird! I was like, how weird is that? They're literally talking about relationships and being together, and there's this literal loving couple in the background, yeah. right in the back, right in direct background yes. for us to see at the bridge at the same time. There, I said, it's obviously there for a reason. To there, there's some sort of symbolism tied into that as well. And they were like full on making out, like it, to the point I was like, where they're going, they're, they're going, going at it, they're like. going to town. Like it's it, it's a point where it was distracting. I was like, oh my god, what's like going, what's going over there? Really like, going for Jesus. it? Jesus, sorry. Like, well, maybe, well, maybe that, well, maybe that in itself is the message of right. how captivating and how like regardless of whatever's happening, if you see somebody in love, kissing and PDA, sure. like you're me- you're immediately drawn to it no matter what else is happening that's fair. in frame. There's some there I mean Lee, that's that's my takeaway yeah. from it. I mean I'm sure there might I'm sure the director has a specific reason. It just seems way too random yes. to be there. Yeah, I, agree I also, like another thing that kind of meant kind of brought brought my realization that he was feeling loneliness is that I don't know if there was more than one scene, but there's one specific scene where he's on the train and there's another couple where they're just lovingly yes. talking to each other about their day and kind of just playing around. And he finds himself mesmerized by like just their conversation. Like to me, I was like, oh, he's yearning for what they have. So that, ha- that has to be a part of what's of what's going on between him and Nora. And, and I also feel like that, again, going back to the conversation they have under the bridge, they were talking about how that he was with somebody yeah. and that he wasn't he they were still in a relation together they were just separated for the moment like they were just not you know they're, they're parted ways for the time being but they're still technically together and she she brought up as like are you gonna marry her it's like well that's what she wants and it's like well is, is well, then why don't you do it if you guys have been together for so long why don't you just i guess in this case propose and i feel like his feelings for Nora was stopping him from doing that because maybe he felt that there could be a better mm. love out there for him that was with Nora and then he decided to go all the way out to New York calling it for vacation but really just to see her um, and uh, kind of realizing that okay this what I came out here for is not to find love again but to understand that this is this is not going to be and maybe that interaction and that time that he had with her was the closure that he needed to maybe solidify the relationship he had with the other woman and maybe maybe at the end of the day maybe propose to her and yeah. kind of maybe feel happy for himself that he himself wasn't allowing to get he wasn't giving himself happiness or wasn't allowing himself happiness because he was hung up on the past and therefore it felt loneliness and this desire for something that i think deep down he knew he wasn't going to have anyway but he figured let me just at least give it a shot to see if there's anything still there. Yeah. And I think in a way he does he did get that answer. 
I think he like I think they both recognize that there is something there and there was something there, but just the timing's now not right anymore. Yeah, like like may, so it's almost like love isn't enough. Like like literally, right? Like for you to be in love with somebody, like the actual stars have to align. Like it's more of than just your connection. For you to actually build a relationship and want to build a life with somebody, like there is right. way more that's involved than what you feel towards a person. Like that's 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 the clear message that at least that I'm getting that I'm getting from it. I also thought it was interesting that we don't get a definitive ending on him from her. We, we get a general understanding that she is moving. And then maybe because she's a main character, but he's not, but I felt like we spent a lot of time dealing with what's going on with him internally. Whereas Mm -hmm. with her, we kind of already know she's in this torn place where she's being revisited by her past life, her past, you know, somebody who like a childhood love and, then she's already with this man who she's literally married and built a life with together. And now what would have made the movie a little bit more complicated. And I now saying it out loud, I kind of understand why they didn't do it is if they had kids. Right. I think if they would have had kids, he probably never would have come to New York because like, like he even said, like, I don't want to break up a marriage, but like for to add a kid in there, then it's like, well now I'm, like intervening within a family, it just seems like, right. like even a, a further step too far. So now saying it out loud, I understand. I can see why they didn't include her to have any kids at that point. But you figure after being yeah. married for twelve years, like that's something that would have come up. You know what I mean? Like sure, they didn't even I, absolutely. It. Nowhere in the movie was it mentioned, but it didn't. It didn't need it. It didn't. It didn't need it no. for the themes they were trying to get across. I feel like maybe they probably would have overcrowded the film. Yeah, and I think I mean I think they really just wanted to focus on the relationships between the two the two characters, and I think that was a good move on their part. Yeah. Um, I think also what a strong um, director debut for um, what was Celine, her name again? Celine Song. Celine, Celine Song. Um, the fact that you know, kind of right out of the gate, not really, uh, not really having a lot of either writing experience. Uh, we saw that she was a staff writer for Wheel of Time season one. Definitely not a romance by any means. No. Um, and uh, she comes right out of the gate with this very personal, intimate story that I read a little bit about and said this is loosely based on her her life immigrating from Korea to America, dealing with that and like the 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 complications that you have with your past as well as what your future is, you know, immigrating from another country and trying to live a life in America, but also having this grand history that's within your lineage that, you know, you have to kind of respect and understand as well. And the things that came with that, um, I thought this was a great a directorial debut for her, and I very much look forward to see what other stories she has in the future. Um, as well as the last thing that I kind of want to bring up is the cinematography. Man, that movie beautiful. looked beautiful. There were a lot of great shots in there. Uh, the first one was pretty early on, is when like they were saying goodbye, and the camera sat in the middle between the stairs and that like that hallway. Yes. Um, or like it was like the a different part of the street and it just sat in the middle and she was walking up the stairs as a young girl and he was kind of turning the turning the corner on the street and it was just kind of visually showcasing like them separating at that point in their lives there's also another shot when uh later in the movie when she was like brushing her teeth in the bathroom but we were getting his reflection through the mirror and i think that was also another way of like showcasing the separation between like what she was feeling and how he was reacting in that moment. It was just a cool looking shot as well of like getting that different perspective. Um, so I think the cinematography here was really, really well done. Um, I can, I can, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Another another kind of the same. The first shot you were talking about the stairwell. I also love how we were recalled to that shot or later on, like literally at yes. the end of the film, we get the same shot. They well, they're saying goodbye. He gets in the cab and she's walking away. But we get that. They updated it though because it wasn't exactly the same. They kind of they kind of right. they kind of like melded them together into what the current time into what the meaning of that first shot meant. Um, yeah. Also, when they remet the first time, you get the um, they almost like get little flashbacks of their first date. I thought that yes. was really cool. And that's more I guess that's more towards the editing than it is towards the cinematography. But um, I agree. It was just there's just a lot of things to really appreciate about this film. Absolutely. Um, so with that, your final thoughts. So, well, oh, sorry, we got the. Well, we can. Well, we can. We can do. We can do both. We can oh, do okay. both. So, re- more or less, my final thoughts are: I, re- I really enjoyed it. I can see why this movie was nominated. I think there's a lot of this, as we've kind of just briefly scratched, briefly scratched the surface. Like there's, there's just a lot of underlying themes that can be explored and talked about and enjoyed in this. Absolutely. Film. So I was kind of glad we were able to do that a little bit. But even just um, going over some of their numbers, uh, they made 14 million worldwide. Um, the budget. Uh, I think I saw it was twelve million. Okay, so a small. I think is what I saw here. Yeah, budget was twelve million. It grossed over sixteen million. The movie was shot in New York and in Seoul. Um, mm-hmm. Celine Song was American filmmaker, making her directorial debut. Um, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I mean, I'm curious to see what this is going to bring come Oscar season. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as far as my final thoughts, I couldn't agree more. I think every now and then Ernesto, and we've talked about this before, um, excuse me, in, in, uh, past episodes where it's rare that we're able to talk about a movie more with the themes of the movie than like every time we talk about what happened in the story and the, the character and the performances, which was also the performances were great in this movie as well. Um, but it's, it's rare that we get a chance to talk about a movie that really highlights on its themes. And we kind of just explored the themes rather than the movie and the story within itself. And we kind of did a little bit of everything in this, in this particular review. Yeah. It makes Um, it more, it makes, it really, it really makes the conversation way. Like it just, it elevates the conversation because I feel like we're able, we are, we're able to get past all that. We can get, let's get past on whether the movie was able to be good enough. So it's like this right. movie surpassed yeah. all that. And now it's like, well, let's talk about what they were, what Celine was actually trying to bring us. And for her first film, exactly. I mean, what a strong one yeah. right out of the gate. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a huge win for her. Um, and yeah, a movie like this, you know, it's not really known for trying to break box office numbers or anything, but it made a decent amount um, for what this movie was. And uh, I believe that when it comes to the Oscar contention, like we mentioned earlier, this is an early uh, Oscar predictions, early Oscar contender that can be nominated for Best Picture. If I was going to go off of anything more just deduced from what I can tell from this movie, it could be nominated for Best Director. It could be nominated for Best Screenplay. It could be nominated for Best Cinematography. It could even wind in there with the performances. It's kind of hard to tell in you know mid-October when the – you know, we're probably going to get more concrete information and more. We have a lot more movies to come out before we can see what it's up against. Mm-hmm. But just on what I feel that it could be nominated for, this is a, a great Oscar movie. Um, that Well, this is a great movie to be considered for the Oscars, and just put it that way. Um, but, yeah, there was just a lot that I was able to take away from this and just a lot that I can think about 
that I really appreciated because a lot of movies don't do that. Like a lot of movies, like I feel that I like enjoyed it. It was like, oh, this, that was a fun ride. I liked what they did. But it there's, there's every now and then there's a movie that comes out where like, okay, it was good. I had to like really pay attention and like sit down and watch it. But once you're done with that, you get to take away a lot from what this movie was trying to say. And um, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed that what it gave me after I, after I finished it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm very glad that we that we reviewed this film. Like uh, I thought this mm-hmm. was I thought this was a great one that we did. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, and so yeah, hopefully we this won't be the last time we're talking about this movie, and we're going to be uh, once we get more concrete you know details on how the Oscar season is going to turn out, then we could be talking about this movie again and comparing it to some of the other ones. Mm. Um, but uh, there you go. That's our spoiler review on past lives. Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. Next week, they're going to be listening to cranky old Martin Scorsese yelling at people to go to the <laughs> theaters. Uh, well, you know, the great Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, being reunited with Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Um, I'm really excited to see this. I mean, granted, it's three and a half hours long. But yep. it is a Scorsese film, and it doesn't look like The Irishman, so I'm excited. It doesn't. <laughs> it's been it's been getting some very very high praise, and again, it's another movie that's been uh, early talks of being a high Oscar contender going into the award season. So I feel like, excuse me, uh, we are kind of laying the land pretty early this year, Ernesto, and we're trying to get some of the ones out of the way. So when we get closer and more concrete, we can you know, have less to worry about instead of like rushing is like, Oh, we did that one back in October. Yeah, we're good. We're, you guys listen to that episode back there. Yeah. We already, we're we already got, we already knocked out this list. Cause I like only like two movies yeah. we got to see. Exactly. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I think, uh, I'm really looking forward to it because there's been a lot of high praise around it. So I'm like, look, any movie can be any length, but you got to make it worth it for me. Yeah. So if you're telling me to sit there at for three and a half hours, Corsese, you're up on the plate. You're telling people to go to the movies and go watch a movie in theaters. I'm about to do that. Make it worth it. Yeah. Make it worth the three and a half hour journey. That's all I'm saying. That'd be good. That's all I'm saying. That'd be good. Gonna be mad. That's right. You're gonna make me go sit (laughs) in a movie for three and a half hours. You better make it worth it. Make better work. That's all we're saying. And so by next week, hopefully we could be eating our words and we're like, God damn, that was one hell of a movie. Yeah, exactly. But I'll tell you what, if it's the Irishman, I'll let you know that too. (laughs) <laughs> not afraid not afraid to tell you either way Matt will always shoot um, you straight but, <laughs> damn right <laughs> um, but yeah also we got Leonardo DiCaprio so he also doesn't disappoint when it comes to his performances I mean, as well So DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons that's right um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited you got an all star cast so. Same. I, I totally couldn't agree more and also, Martin Corsese is getting up there. So in his old age, can he still produce a masterpiece? I think so. We'll find out. We'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening to us each and every week. If you want more from us, you can always follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers, our Facebook, TikTok, threads, and I feel like I'm missing one. X. Facebook. And uh, uh, Facebook. TikTok threads page and YouTube. There we go. That's the one I'm missing. An X. Uh, an X. Well, well, that at box office been jurors. Oh, well, X is at box sorry. office been jur. Oh, excuse yeah, me. I'm sorry. You know, it's a, uh, you know, I got I to start over. <laughs> oh, my God. I, they might have missed it. I don't know. I got to just say one more time. 
If you want more from us, you can always follow us on our social media channels on Instagram at Box Office underscore Bingers and our Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads page at Box Office Bingers and our X page at Box Office Binger without the S. There we go. Got it out, got it out there. Um, got it out there. I'm good now. I'm good now. Off, off the soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to us every week. We really do appreciate it. Come back for more movie fun. You're not going to regret it. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. And Ernesto Santos. See you.